Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and who do I got with me here? It's Devin here, aka Paranoid Coder. What's up, man? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not a whole lot, not a whole lot. Just uh, doing this stream, doing this uh, this live podcast. How about yourself? Yeah, you too, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny that we do this like at the same time. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, same here. Yeah, it's just it's such a coincidence all the time. Yeah. So. What are we going to be talking about today, man? We're going to be talking about, I mean, if the if the title is not misleading, we're going to talk about some real cool stuff that's been happening in the PS4 homebrew scene. Not so much exploit related, more so uh, I want to highlight some of the games, like the homebrew we've been seeing, the mm-hmm. true homebrew. Mm-hmm. Going to be checking out, you know, a new, uh, a, a new flash cart of sorts and uh, some cool stuff for the Switch. It's like, uh, have we have we gone one month without doing Switch stuff? No, I don't think so. Like I've since we started. Yeah, since I've been on the show, I do okay. not think so. Okay, so, okay, that's that's what I thought. But you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Definitely our own running meme for a while, and it kind of got burned out just because it was it never ended. It's like, is a meme really a thing if it like, yep, <laughs> just becomes norm? Yep, yep. But yeah, yeah. I don't mind it though. Switch has been an amazing console. It's been super fun to follow it. It has been great. I mean, look at this thing, right? Well, like there we go. But look there at this right here. <laughs> we, got, we got the DVD logo on deck as per usual. So, so yeah. But before we get yeah. into that, uh, should we talk about what's kind of been going on the last month? Absolutely. Yeah. So, th- this is something that we introduced a few episodes ago. In case you've been missing this, but Dev and I will talk about some of the stuff we've been up to the last month in terms of modding, whether it be anything or a whole lot of stuff or nothing. So. Uh, Devin, you want to go or should I go? Uh, I think you should start. Okay. So I actually haven't done all too much outside of the Vita. I end up sinking my teeth into the Vita again because I guess, spoiler alert, I want to do a future video on this, but I got my girlfriend her first game system. Yeah. I heard about that. I was kind of following it a little bit. You mentioned it to me, I think. I mentioned it to you. I put it up on Twitter. So people who fuck with me on Twitter, Mr. Mario 211 on Twitter, if you want to check it out, follow, show some love, all that good stuff. I'm pretty talkative on there. But yeah, I had said that my girlfriend, we've been dating for several years. She's not a gamer. She respects the games. She likes that I'm a gamer, all that, but she just hasn't been a gamer. And uh, when we were thinking of, like, she was kind of asking me about a few systems, and you know me, I've got a whole bunch of stuff on hand. Mm -hmm. So I was, I thought, I honestly thought her first system was going to be an Xbox 360 I'd give to her. But no, that wasn't the case. Even I offered several times, but it ended up being a Vita for several different reasons. So I ended up um, my own Vita, because funny enough that Exploit is still unpatched, but just in case it was getting patched, I decided to buy her a Vita but then I said, well, this is kind of time sensitive. So maybe by the time I get this in the mail, the 3.70 Trendy exploit's going to be patched. So I did end up modding it later, but I ended up taking my guinea pig Vita and just repurposed it for her. Got a 128 gigabyte micro SD card installed, uh, gave her a bunch of my own games on there. So she has everything conveniently loaded up and she's been enjoying it. That's very cool. And I've gotten to buff up my collection quite a bit as well, too. So my Vita collection has easily at least doubled because I've gone out and bought a ton of Vita games, which shout out to the people on Twitter for recommending a lot of really awesome looking, mostly like anime game series. Cool, dude. Yeah. Congrats on your girlfriend getting into video games. Thank you. It's cool. Thank you. Very much appreciate it. I know you were pretty proud of that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's been a fun ride, so. Yeah, absolutely. And it's gotten me back into the Vita because then I've been messing around with other things mm-hmm. on there. I've been playing stuff. There's still games that are coming out either on the digital storefront or limited run games. Like, are, are you familiar with limited run? 
Uh, yeah, some games, but not a lot. I, yeah. It's not something I keep up with. So limited run, they like well, not limited run, but Sony at this point they're no longer producing Vita systems or cartridges. So now the the last brand new Vita cartridges that are going to be coming out are really just all coming from limited run because limited okay. run had to actually cancel several games that either couldn't make it in time or weren't polished enough or they didn't have the final code that was ready to go onto a cartridge and limited run is they they pretty much just had to do a giant order of every single game that they could before the cutoff date so now for any new vita physical releases within the next year or two those are pretty much all going to be coming out of limited run and thanks to them just ordering tens of thousands of cartridges before sony closed up shop on that gotcha so they bought the just the writable cartridges the actual physical media or, uh no because you, you have to get them printed you have to get them printed oh wow yeah but earlier this year sony said hey by this cutoff date we will no longer ever be printing vita cartridges again okay wow yeah well dang yep that's kind of sad it is but i know man i know yeah, I, I mean, I, the Avita seemed like a cool system. I haven't had the time to get into something new in a while, but it's something, especially once it's end of life, we're not chasing down exploits. I would love to just, like, spend some time, get a Vita, dive in there. Um, obviously, the PSP was my favorite yes. thing to mod of all time, so um, that's pretty cool. Now, uh, has your girlfriend got into, does she care about the modding side of things at all? Um, she's seen me mod things either software-wise or hardware-wise. She thinks it's cool, but she's like, yeah, this is all hands-off for me. So it's very much like even, because this is the only system she has, but I even got to a point where I was like, okay, cool. Here's all the stuff. It's all set up. These are the apps you don't touch. Those are for me. Whenever I have to mod your, like manage your Vita, these are all your games. These are all for you. Do whatever you want. And uh, we did have to make her an account. So I was like, make a PlayStation Network account. We're going to use this app. All right, sign in here, and you're good. Crazy. Are you? Is this like the first step into getting her into modding, or are you planning on just keeping that clear away from Probably her? not. I mean, if she wants to venture into modding, she can always hit me up. I feel yeah. like I'm a good local resource for that. But when it comes down to it, like, no, she's just, I mean, she's got to be getting into the games first. Yeah. Because she's not like a tech head or anything. Take so. what you can get for now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's really cool, man. That's awesome. Yes. So that's been a fun time yeah, for, fun. for her, for myself. Yeah. Again, I've been getting into the Vita again. So now there's like one or two games I'm playing through on there and really enjoying it. Have you found anything new in the hacking scene that's caught your interest uh, that you maybe hadn't paid attention to before, or have you been mostly focused on games that you're catching up on? Uh, I started going back to the games on there. I mean, of course, there's like stuff here that we're going to be talking about in Monchat, but when it comes to like the Vita stuff, I think one of my favorite things, which uh, I think one person was saying here, Jerry was saying, so will spoofing be able to accommodate those new games? I can actually answer that. Uh, spoofing alone cannot, but there's this one awesome little plugin called Refood, which I did a video on. I think it was the last video I put out. And what you do is you load a keys file onto your SD card or wherever you're saving your information to. Well, I guess technically be the internals of the Vita. You set up your plugin, you reboot your system, and then with that, it allows you to decrypt any newer firmware games on the fly. So not only are you spoofing your firmware version to get onto PSN and all that stuff, but then any games that have come out, like if I buy a game right now that's brand new, I can play it on my system, my 3.6 firmware system with no mm -hmm. issue. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we covered it several months ago. And we then did. It, it was a few months after that, I didn't get a chance to use it 
until because I, I didn't have a use case for it mm-hmm. until I ran into a game where it wasn't working. And I was like, oh, this is great. I love this. Mm-hmm. So big shout out to all the developers. I think it was team. I don't want to mess up the name. Let me, let me look it up at least. But, yeah, I can't remember yeah. either. Yes. Well, that is, that is seriously awesome, dude. Yes. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun time. Yeah, by the FAPS team. That's what it is. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know if I noticed that before. Yeah. But yeah, refood. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait one day to get into it. I'm sure it's going to be pretty nostalgic. If you ever want to get into it, just let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So that's about all I've done for recent modding because I've just been I've I have been busy with life stuff the past like over a month or so since mm-hmm. we did this. I got sick twice as well too. Rough, dude. Yeah. 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 I felt like last year I got sick a lot. Luckily so far this year I've actually fared pretty well. So I feel for you for sure. Mm-hmm. But man, that stinks. Yeah. But you know, I got over both of them thankfully. It was just it was one of those things where I got sick, and it was just, like, a bad cold. Mm-hmm. So I got sick, lasted about a week, was fine, was okay for a week. Then I got sick again, and even, like, my girlfriend and I were talking about this, and she was just like, wait, didn't you just get sick? Yep. Didn't you just recover? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sick again. It's like, oh, wow, okay. I'm pretty sure I was there <laughs> last year at some point. <laughs> I hate being sick so much. Just yeah. gets in the way of everything. Well, then you take medicine. Like, when I take medicine, man, like, I can't, like, think properly. So, oh, I hear you. Like, if you're talking to me, I'm like, I understand, like, a quarter of the words you're saying. I'm a lightweight to day quill. It just <laughs> messes yep. me. I can't even, like, take it if I have, like, having to work or do anything functional. Mm-hmm. Like, any, like, I hardly ever take stuff like that. So, yeah. well, I'm glad you're feeling better, man. Thank you. You sound good. Thank you. Very much appreciate it. Yeah. How about yourself, man? been talking about myself this yeah I've, time. You know, I've been good i've been very busy with life too a lot of stuff going on a lot of stuff coming up too like just all you know all around mm-hmm. um i haven't really done much of anything with modding over the last month but i have kept myself really busy in other areas um i've been working on a lot of like getting kind of prepared for some personal projects okay and i've learned a lot about what's called um firebase recently have you heard of this no thing? not at all so it's pretty neat. I actually kind of stumbled upon it. I had been kind of uh, working with this tool called CouchDB, which is a database. And kind of what I was using it for was building mobile apps to have like very, very uh, near instant syncing between a mobile device and like the server um, and offline first capability. Mm-hmm. So like if you were like editing, let's say a to-do list or a grocery list or anything really on your phone, if you didn't have the internet connection, you still want to be able to edit it. You just want it to sync when you're online. Yeah. And this would all work as opposed to like having to rely on like a data or an API call, right? Um, that has to hit a server to like do these right, actions. Right. So, and then I kind of stumbled into this Firebase thing that Google makes that is like basically a, um, there's a free tier that's basically a backend for like Google or Facebook or Twitter or even email authentication. Um, it's got a free database that does the same kind of thing and a bunch of free other stuff. So I'm kind of like, I've been practicing with uh, a lot of this stuff and I think I'm going to dive into like developing some apps that I'm either just going to use kind of for, um, portfolio worthy stuff, maybe, you know what I mean? Just kind of like having some open source projects and, uh, or, or, you know, maybe I'll release something. And along the way, even, um, one of the frameworks I'm using is Ionic for mobile development. I might've mentioned it to you before. Sounds um, familiar. It's it's like cross-platform web development. 
so it can compile to Android and iOS, but okay. it's all built on web development stuff. And uh, I actually I contributed a few pull requests, some code changes to the project because I found some things that I didn't think were the way I wanted it, or like I don't know, not, not necessarily any bugs, but improvements along the way. And I added some documentation, and they were very appreciative. So I've been participating in some open source stuff lately. Very nice. That's the that's the that's the type of shit that makes you feel like warm and fuzzy on the it, inside as well too, and just really taps into that potential. So. I was like, it was like I had three pull requests in like a week and a half, and I uh, was so excited. I kept telling my girlfriend, I was like, I've got another one up. And like three hours later, I was like, they merged it. <laughs> <laughs> they said thank you. They appreciate it. <laughs> so it was really cool. It does feel like super good. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is like a tool that I've, I've been using for months. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to get some praise and to kind of see my contributions. And I got the update for, because it's like a framework, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I update my framework locally. And then I saw the changes roll in um, that I put in there. So That's awesome. It was really cool. Congratulations. Yeah. So um, I can keep myself really busy, but I just haven't done much with modding at all. I understand. Um, I mean, shoot. Yeah, it's just been so busy. So. Yeah been on work trips been all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. now i'm trying to like start to prepare to like figure out where i'm gonna move and stuff just oh yeah good luck with that yeah like so. seriously like best of luck with that moving is just stressful and expensive and i hate it yeah i really hate it i so. know i know i'm trying to be like op- not optimistic but like a uh, conservative with my money right now to mm-hmm. just help prepare for whatever unforeseen costs they're going to be mm-hmm. so it's yeah. going well you know saving yeah. money feels good and I'm, cool. I'm being responsible so, um, but yeah, keep myself busy with a lot of code stuff. Um, not really modding related, but I did flash the iOS 13 beta on my phone. Okay. <laughs> which has been interesting. Interesting how? It's working okay right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I first booted it, it seemed pretty nice. It's got a bunch of nice features like dark mode. Um, they have swipe typing built in now, so I don't have okay. to have a third-party keyboard. Uh, CarPlay got a huge update, which is really nice. My Apple Watch didn't work. Mm-hmm. It was not getting notifications, and it wouldn't let me unpair it. So then I factory reset the watch, and then it wouldn't let me repair it. And then I got really frustrated and gave up yesterday after working on it for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And this morning I was like, if I can't get this to work, like first try, I'm going to restore it back to iOS 12. You know, I have to go through that whole factory reset process and everything. And then it just paired first try. So I was like, okay. Lovely. And then I've had, like, YouTube did a weird thing. We were at the gym, and I was like, I want to watch some YouTube videos while I'm on the bike. And um, it kept playing the video audio, but it was always showing the thumbnail of the next video in the list, whether it was the watch later or the search, as the video. Interesting. So I got an unrelated thumbnail as the video portion. And then my AirPods started cutting in and out, and I was like, oh, this is rough. I'm at the gym and the kid Life is any, tough as a beta tester. I understand. Don't have a laptop. Don't have anything. You know what I mean? Like I'm at the gym. Like, and then it just like all day today it's worked. Mm-hmm. So living that beta life right now. I feel that. But the improvements are nice enough where I'm like I don't want to go back. <laughs> I got like, you. I mean, and for me on my on my Pixel 3a XL, I'm just I'm just stable. Just, latest stable on this. I'm not messing with it at all. I don't know if it's a. Uh, worth really showing on the stream but you you'll appreciate uh, it i feel like for like just being kind of an android user like sure flip down dark mode off oh that's really nice yeah so that dark is really nice. and it, it, it dark modes uh everything uh that's apple oriented mm-hmm. so dialer messages safari just native dark mode that's right. really cool and then apps can up, be updated to support it 
Um, a lot of apps obviously have their own built-in dark mode things that they roll their own. Mm-hmm. Like Twitter has it, you know, Reddit has it. Yep. So I've kind of like turned all that stuff on, but um, it's been, yeah. Um, did been you cool. know that dark mode actually saves on your battery? Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, I, I didn't even think about that. So when I first saw an article, I think it was from iFixit and they're like, we're going to test and see if dark mode will save on battery life. And I was like, what? I've never even thought of that. Okay. And yeah, the, the overall, the TLDR of it is yes, it does because your screen has to work a lot less when it's generating either a black image per pixel or nothing. Especially with OLED screens. Yeah, because black is just nothing. Right. right? It's not even like powering the pixel at that point. It's, mm-hmm. it, and you can test this. Like when I first got an OLED phone, uh, an Android phone, which was quite a few years ago now, um, I remember literally going, like right after I got it, I was so happy. I went into a pitch black room, like the laundry closet or something, <laughs> and like put on a flat black wallpaper, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it was a it was a Nexus phone, so like um, the navigation buttons were showing, mm-hmm. and I just like, it was like full screen, I just touched it to make the navigation buttons hide because it was on the gallery, and like the navigation buttons were letting off enough light where I was like, this is impossible, and I t- clicked it, and it was just pitch black. Wow. Screen at full brightness. But not because mm-hmm. you know it's not even on because it's it's just it's black right. So. Uh, and cool. I, I've known about that for quite a while actually, and uh, I never even thought of it. It was well, something that never even crossed my mind. And, you know, I think part of the reason why actually is that for a long time Google actually had a pretty dark UI by mm-hmm. default. You think they're like ice cream sandwich and Kit Kat days, like everything yeah, was yeah, black, yeah. and that's when a lot of this stuff started coming out. Um, and so it wasn't until Google actually started what some people would say is starting to copy Apple's aesthetic where they brought in a lot more white, very bright, flat colors. Uh, <clears throat> it kind of started with the material design, actually. Excuse me. Yeah, I don't like that Web 3.0, um, like th- oh, Web 3.0, just like I very bright white. Well, the white, I don't like it. The, the material design, like the, the way the, the web apps look now, I kind of like it. Sure. But I, I like the uh, the dark mode, kind of light and dark direction we're going because that's actually getting built into web browsers now so websites will actually be able to respond off of like a desktop's dark mode like they're gonna they're putting hooks into chrome and stuff like that to detect the operating system if it's using dark mode and then chrome can tell the website if you're using dark mode and so literally like uh i like that future Mm -hmm. i really like that future of like being able to go back and forth i don't even need lots of themes like that solves a lot of it too like light and dark mode if you can build that into almost everything that's awesome Mm mm-hmm but yeah, I think it wasn't until Google started like copying some of that really bright aesthetic and people were kind of like, hey, whoa, like this isn't as good on my battery life. Mm-hmm. And then people were like clamoring for dark mode and finally That really Google... explains quite a bit. Now I, I kind of want to go back to older phones. Like if I could go back in time, go back to older phones, try and make everything as black as possible on there. And maybe I would have squeezed a few extra hours of battery life out of them. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, again, that was just something I never heard of. So That's wild. Well, that th- actually... Never thought of, I should say. That's a- that actually surprises me with you being in the Android scene like mm-hmm. a bit, even just with custom ROMs and stuff like that. Um, cause even like a lot of like custom themes and stuff like that were like battery optimized pitch black themes. Dude, I didn't even start consciously going after dark mode until 2016. And it was just one of my friends. I remember he called me out on it. Like he saw me on Twitter. He's like, dude, what are you doing? It's like, what? He's like, what are you doing? Look, it's like, what are you talking about? I'm on Twitter. He's like, dark mode. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny actually. And I've, I've gone through it, especially with Mac OS getting dark mode, um, my phone getting dark mode now. I tried dark mode on Mac OS because I can flip that on like immediately and everything goes dark. Even Chrome goes dark now uh, and stuff like that. Uh, it, it's already got that built into it and I don't like it as much. 
for whatever reason on the like desktop, mm-hmm. I kind of like my bright UI. Okay. Now some things I'll use like code in a dark UI, and almost all code editors, all the ones that I use, all like come stock with a dark theme. Sure. Whatever reason I like that, but for like everything else, yeah, I don't know. I gotcha. But um, yeah, that's kind of weird. The phone, I like it a lot. Anyways, uh, that's basically what I've been up to. Right on. I know you were saying here, like one of the one of the things that you'd said many times, you haven't really done anything modding related. So I actually have something that could hopefully fix that here. This isn't really for you. I don't know if she's watching oh, or not, but not. Devin, this is tech. Okay, this is for you to pass yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. There's there's everything there. What, Lily? I really hope not. <laughs> I don't think I have any. <laughs> I haven't gotten any messages being like I'm watching you. So yeah, should I explain, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh god. Okay. So um basically this is obviously a PSP. Um like we had talked about. This is a two thousand model, this is silver. Um, yes. I had mentioned to Danny that I was thinking about my my girlfriend had shown some like interest in my PSP that I had. She was like excited, like, oh and she kinda like made a comment like she wanted to play it and we haven't gotten around to it, but she uh I think she was fond of it when she was younger and I don't know. She just showed like a genuine interest in it. And I was like, I want to buy a PSP. I haven't messed with one a long time. Um, not since we kind of like hung out and I upgraded mine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's been a while. Been a while. And we found that dude, my, that one battery. Remember how swole that was? Yeah. Yeah. Devin had a swollen battery. <laughs> Apparently that's kind of a regular thing now with it's, PSP batteries. They're getting old dude. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked like that thing was about to pop dude. It was so close. But anyways, so um, I was like, I want to get one, mod it. I think that'd be fun. Um, and then, you know, loaded up with all my, because I still got all my old PSP stuff. I've kept everything. So loaded up with all my games and uh, maybe some emulators and stuff like that. Uh, she's also thinking about, like, she kind of showed some interest in a Switch and maybe the new Pokemon games that are coming. Sure. So I thought maybe, like, get her, like, a uh, Fire Red or something like that, mm-hmm. either to kind of go through what a mainline game feels like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And this is completely unmodded right now. Is that true? Or I was going to. So let me tell you a story about that. So originally, because I got a bunch of PSPs for cheap from Japan, and I had such a fun time modding those up again, man. And I, I kept one of them that I was going to give you. I mm-hmm. kept one of them, a, a Red 3000, unmodded. It was on like firmware. I think I think I did update the firmware to 6.61, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But what happened was then at one point I hit up Devin because you were like, I was just like, hey, do you want two or 3,000? And I was basically indecisive. Like, yeah, and I was just like, I'll give you the 3,000. It's fine. I have more 3,000s to give. And then I was like, okay, Devin, we have a problem. I just found out that the 3,000 does not charge. And I don't want to give you all a PSP that doesn't charge. So would you all be cool with the 2,000? And you yeah. said, yeah, sure, that's going to be fine. So the other night, I was actually I was assembling this. And then I remembered this was one of the ones I modded because I modded right. all of them except the 3,000. Yeah. So, Devin, so. what I did, and this was so fun. It was a little bit painful, <laughs> but it was so fun. Uh, I no longer have my magic memory stick, but I still have my jig kick. So mm. I had to charge it up. I was trying the other sticks I had. I didn't program any of them with this because I no longer have my magic memory stick. So I had to go, and it's so much easier to do. I had to find, I think it was like, it wasn't PSP filer, but it was like, some type of PSP program. I tried a couple, but the second one I did, I was able to flash a little, I took one of these like micro SD card to uh, 
uh, pro adapters, but I used a micro SD card. I was able to get one to successfully flash a certain way with the IPL. I got all the files copied over. I popped it in here. It ended up booting up beautifully. And I ended up reflashing this with 5.00 official firmware. Wow. So this is on a lower wow. firmware and it is stock. So I had to, I modded this and then I unmodded it just for you, no, man. I've actually wanted to, I've kind of wanted to do that with uh, my 3DS. Because mm-hmm. I've got all my old backups. I kind of want to like unmod it, update it, like go completely fresh mm-hmm. and then just like start again. And it's, it's amazing now how it used to take us like two, three hours to do the 3DS stuff. Yeah. Now it's going to take you like 20 minutes. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing almost with my Wii U too. My, I don't remember where my Wii U was left off. Because I remember it was like I had cold boot hacks going and then there was an update that was like disable cold boot hacks or you might brick. Mm-hmm. And so I don't remember where I left that off at. I do remember that. I remember we talked about so, it. And I know there were, there were some definite advances on the Wii U that I would like to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think with this so far, it's the PSP 2000. It's got a battery. I end up having to get a battery cover. So if that that's doesn't okay. match, that's why. That's it's not okay. nice Chinese bootleg stuff. Charger, one of these nice little. I didn't. I decided not to put the 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 screen protector on for you because I know you're a master at that. Yes. So you're going to be better than me. And then because we talked about this, it already has a 64 gig micro SD card in there. It has one of these, and then this is the second one because we had talked about it. Second one. I was going to give you a second one. Oh. Yeah. Did we? Yeah. I forget. Yeah, because I I remember we we kind of just brought it up. I was like, "Do you want like a spare one for like something?" Because I think you had talked about wanting oh. one of these, and I was like, "I could just give you one, like an extra one." So. Oh, I thought yeah. okay, just the actual adapter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I thought you, you meant another. SD you got to bring too. your own micro SD card, but but this thing is all ready to go. So, I, I would say I guess I'm giving it to you to give to someone else. Yes, but, and I'll yes. put a little work in it. I'm probably gonna see. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna keep this a secret. Uh, her birthday is in August. Oh, damn it, and we're blasting it on the stream. I yeah. hope she doesn't watch now. She, every once in a while, she'll, like, <laughs> she'll be like, oh, I popped in for like five minutes. It's like, wait, where? Face. And so it's just like, uh, I hope that this wasn't that five minutes. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you. No problem, dude. awesome. No problem. Yeah, yeah no, I, I hope you really enjoyed it. The only disclaimer I should give on you with this is, of course, batteries third party, but the disk drive I noticed on this one, it works. But when you play a disk in here, kind of sounds like a rodent is dying. Hmm. So I figured that's probably not going to be a problem for you all because you're no. probably not going to play UMDs on here. No. But I just want to give you that heads up. It works. It just it sounds like a hamster is dying. That's okay. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I probably won't be using it hard, hardly at all, if ever, to be honest. Yeah. But that is awesome. Thank you very much. No problem. No I problem, can't wait. Dude. So Yeah, this is months in the making because um, I ordered everything from overseas. Yeah, I'll This was to. China. This was China. This was China. The batteries, China. The systems, Japan. This was China. Yeah, nothing was from here, man. It's Japanese PSP as well. So I'm cool with that. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I'll be reporting back with <laughs> what happens. <laughs> Do it, man. All right. Well, that's all I have for the kind of pre-show. That's all I have. I think before we get into stuff, we do need to address this uh, this donation we got here. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. Definitely. Justin Sheppers, I'm going to say. Sheppers, yeah, I, I'd say that's it. Let's go with that. Your modding tutorials have helped me so much. I'm guessing that is you... What, not you're, me. You're, you're not the person who makes mine tutorials? Not usually. Oh, shit. No, I don't think All I've right. made any. Well, Justin, thank you so much. I'm glad they helped out, and thank you for the $2 donation. Yeah, it's very awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
Oh man. So yeah, let's uh, you know, let's go ahead and get into these topics. Finally, this went a lot longer than I was thinking. Almost thirty minutes, but yes. you know, good God. All right, we got we got a decent amount to go through here. Let's pick up the pace, dude. Yeah, let's pick it up. Uh, since this is your forte a bit, yeah, sure. Do you I mind th- taking this first I, I one. I don't mind at all. I thought this was pretty interesting. Cool. So, uh, see, you said it caught the whole scene uh, off guard. It I, did. I it hadn't heard did. about anything like this. I can tell some stories about it, but I'll go ahead and let you take this here. Sure. Uh, so basically, what we're talking about is uh, Spine, which is a PS4 emulator for Spine. Linux. Um, so this is already running some commercial games. I saw a couple things talking about the compatibility and whatnot. Um, but this is act, this is pretty cool. Um, I found it particularly interesting because I like Linux and, um, I think it's, there's kind of like a couple interesting things about it too. It's, uh, first of all, if you are running Linux or you run this in an emulator, which you're probably going to lose performance if you do that. So of course. it's way better to run this on bare metal. It's going to be really easy to install because they distribute this through Flatpak. Um, so I think that was pretty neat and overall, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to hear what your story is, but this looks like a pretty cool emulator. The UI looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. obviously compatible with a PS4 controller. Yes. So, so essentially the, uh, the story with this that I have, and it, it kind of, they actually touch upon it here on the Wololo article where they say, you know, uh, first of all, it is closed source. So it's not open source, unfortunately. Right. It's also not Windows-based. It's Linux, so that also threw off a lot of people. It was released, or no, it yeah. One of the first mentions here was a video published on April Fool's Day. And then they didn't upload. The, the user, the person who made it, I think they're like called like Spine PS4 Dev, I want to say. Uh, the person who created it here, the developer, he didn't put, he put on some random hosting site that wasn't GitHub. So you have this... Linux only random download PS4 emulator that's announced on April Fool's Day that is apparently supposed to already be playing commercial games. So everyone thought bullshit. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought bullshit on that. And then what happened was some trusted members of the scene who are, you know, mentioned here. I think, um, who was it? Let me see. Yeah, like, uh, not Zico Shao, I want to say. I don't know how to say your name. Smugnia, that's at least the, the <laughs> display name. All right, yeah. that makes it easier. Uh, they ended up trying it. Several other notable figures in the PS4 scene tried it, and they're like, actually, this is legit. Despite wow. the odd circumstances and release dates and release layout here, this is a legitimate emulator. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, and we've seen, I don't know, I thought it was pretty interesting seeing some of these emulators like the uh, the Wii U one kind of evolve over time and start to run games, you know, better and better. For this to come out the gate like this is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if we know m- too much about the developers, if it's one person or a team, but this is definitely like a really impressive feat coming out the gate. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit of a bummer, I'm sure, for a lot of people. I, I, like you kind of mentioned, I think people are more used to these things like coming out uh, for Windows. It seems to be probably the most popular platform, but yeah, um, Linux is getting a lot of love lately. It with is. Vi- with video game stuff. So Thankfully. There's definitely a side of me that thinks this is really cool mm-hmm. because of that. So if you don't have Linux installed, is this really worth... Uh, running right now it's worth I mean, messing around with if you're really wanting to give it a shot it is absolutely worth messing around with i would say um 
but if you're wanting to like actually play through a game, no, it wouldn't yeah. be. And the dev's name, by the way, is Dev of Spine. So of we Spine. don't know anything else about them. We just know they are the developer of Spine, and they are called Dev of Spine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It is. It is. Hopefully, we see future releases. It is a bummer that this isn't open source currently. Um, so you know that that itself has its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. But great nonetheless. Sure. Hopefully they keep developing uh, on this. And I don't know. It's things like this, too, that sometimes seem to kickstart the open source scene as well. You know what I mean? Sometimes when, like, we have these proprietary closed source solutions that come out, it seems like rapidly the scene starts to get that stuff out into the open. Yeah. So it would be cool if we saw something pop up. It would be. Yeah. Good stuff. Before we move on, uh, I think we have another donation. We do, yeah. Looks like, uh, is that... That's ten. That's that has to be ten euro, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ten that's, pounds. It looks more like ten pounds. Okay, my bad. Ten pounds. Yeah, no, the euro because that has more like the e, the mm-hmm. curved e shape. Sorry, we're ignorant Americans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ten pounds from David. Have you both used Raspberry Pi for animation? And what do you think uh, of it? I wear the Raspberry Pi for. I have a setup with the um, um, what you call it, Retro Pi or whatever, and it's pretty good. Um. I wanted to do a little bit better, and I kind of like the switch has kind of replaced that for me. Mm-hmm. So I like mine. Will I upgrade to the Pi Four just for that? No, but the Pi Four does look like a good upgrade. Yeah, I uh, I I think I'm gonna hold off on the Pi Four for a bit, uh, just because that is something I do want to absolutely mess around with. Uh, but right now, I have several Pi Three. I don't have Three B Plus. I have the Three B. I have several of them. I've messed with Retro Pi, of course, on there. Um, I just don't. I don't ever make it like a mainstay or something that I'm mm-hmm. really, really into, unfortunately. I like, yeah. um, I have one where I popped a SD card, like a micro SD card in there. I loaded up with the games I want to play, mostly PS1 stuff, play around with it, really enjoyed it, had it up in my office for a bit, and uh, I just haven't used it for a few months. Yeah. So I think it would be, the Raspberry Pi 4 would absolutely be a beast of a single, like, a single board computer emulation machine. And mm-hmm. there's different tiers of it as well, too, from what I understand. So now it goes from 35 to $55, depending on, you know, how much RAM you want with it, anywhere from one to four gigs. Which I do like because, I don't know, I still, I, I kind of wish they would put up a higher tier Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. Try and broaden that just a little bit, but the different RAM choices is a nice start. Yeah. So hopefully they, this one can get uh, Nintendo 64 emulation smoothed out. That's what more. everyone is really looking forward to, to hopefully. see how much it can help <laughs> out. Because, yeah, the N64 emulation on current Pi hardware is rough. Even uh, even PlayStation 1 emulation wasn't too bad on the Pi 3. Yeah. No, it really wasn't, but. thankfully. Yeah. But, yeah, the, uh, the next thing we can cover here is uh, I want to give this site a little bit of a shout-out. We're, we're really not going to be going in on this here all too much. Going in, like, a good way just because uh, this is not something you just, like, quickly go through. It's something that you're actually supposed to check out, read, and everything. But I want to give a shout-out to uh, Gregory Rasputin's site where apparently he's been working on this project for a decent amount of time. But this is ps4history.net which is supposed to be the complete history of the PS4. Now, of course, this is still a work in progress because the PS4 is a current system, and I'm sure as they find more historical things, they're going to toss them up on here. So if there's something that you know of that is not in here, you can certainly reach out to them and help contribute or edit things, whatever you want to on here. Um, But I wanted to, you know, kind of just mention this, and he was saying here, 
Many of you know my love for telling the history of games consoles, not the fancy soft history, but the complete and detailed history of the console I'm writing about. If you have read PS3 history, you will know I'm quite detailed on what I write. For over two years, people have been asking me if I'll be writing a PS4 history, to which I kept saying no, mainly because I did not have the time. But last year, I was talked into creating this site you now see by Mr. Niato. I don't want to butcher his first name. Unlike PS3 history, which I contribute to all on my own, I'll be receiving help from seniors and developers, such as Mr. Niato right there. As this is 2019, we have more than six years history to add before we even start on current day history. So here he's kind of talking about, you know, game releases, official firmware releases, hacks, lawsuits, PS4 model releases, PC software. And uh, one thing I wanted to talk about here, I think it was, was it 2019? Let me check. Just like as an example, you know, you can look through and see. And this I thought was funny. I wanted to share this with you all. On uh, I didn't know about this, but January 25th, 2019, there was a lawsuit or court case or legal thing that happened related to the PS4. And this was a French teenager is jailed for four months after he bought a PS4 at a supermarket for nine euro. That's the euro sign there. You know, it's nine euro. <laughs> The reason he got in trouble is because he weighed the console at the fruit vegetable section, put the price sticker for the weight, then paid for it at the shelf service at the self-service tills. He left the store and sold the console for 100 euro so that he could buy a train ticket. He was caught when he went back to the same store to try and pull the same trick. What? This man got greedy. <laughs> but yeah like that is like you'll find anything from game releases to stuff like that and th this is really cool i think this is great so wow yeah, yeah i did not see that that's pretty if you're ever wanting some detailed ongoing history of the ps4 definitely check out ps4history.net I've, I've had a fun time checking this out so gregory rasputin big shout out to you for working on this this is this is a dope project yeah i, I went through a, a couple of the first few years and kind of just uh through them and it's it's really interesting i like the way it's kind of organized and i also glossed over the ps3 history one and i could see myself kind of going down this rabbit hole for an afternoon mm -hmm. yeah yeah i would even consider kicking this guy a few uh dollars uh he does he have has, a patreon on yeah, his page patreon. So that is okay. entirely possible that's really cool yeah so it will be, you know, after the show is over and such, at least once, done, once it's done being live streamed, it will be posted up on, uh, in the show notes down below in the description if you want to check this out. But again, ps4history.net, definitely worth the read, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to be diving in more. Hell yeah. It's research. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You got to make time for this podcast, man. Yeah. Anything else you want to dive on that or should we move on? Nah, let's move on. So... I thought this was particularly cool. Yes. I was pretty jacked about this. The yes. PS4 is honestly getting, from what you've shown me, a lot of love in the home group. Home it is. Department. It is. So but remember, the PS4 scene is dead. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think it's just uh, a lot of stuff has just been coming out that helps support this. Like, the PS4 has been getting a lot of good, like, just development support in general to help make these games. Yes. So, um that's really cool. What we're talking about here is a Duck Hunt remake by a developer known as Laffy. Yeah. Who actually made another game we're going to be talking about here that's pretty similar. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you basically take the DualShock controller, hold it sideways, and kind of hold it like a like a gun, if you will, from one of the handles, and <laughs> actually use it to play Duck Hunt. And it's 
pretty well done emulator. It's or, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Re- no, it's, it's not. It's it's, it's a, like a remake. Really. It's completely redone. Yeah. Yeah, I'll even show it here. I think this, uh, I think Mr. Turkey or Master Turkey, I don't remember his name, but I believe he had made this video here where, yeah, it's just like right here as being demonstrated. Like you have to, yeah, hold the DualShock 4 as shown in the image, aim to the center of the screen, calibrate the center of the site. You can calibrate as many times as you wish during the gameplay. This actually reminds me of, um, there is, there are some patches. I think it's called like, NES like NES LCD mod I want to say that's what it is and essentially you go and you download you have to get a hold you download the patch from the site and you have to get a hold of a ROM you patch the ROM and it has a screen like this and if you have original Nintendo or even like Fami clone or Nintendo clone hardware and you have a way of playing that ROM and you have a LED light gun which you can get for like eight or ten bucks or you can modify a original zapper yourself you can pretty much do something like that, and you can play the original games. That's really cool on the hardware. So I, I, when I did it, when I patched my games, it was something very similar to this. But yeah, this is just this is a, a really great homebrew Duck Hunt remake on the PS4, mm-hmm. and I can't recommend this enough. And it even has multiplayer. Yeah, it has a two-player multiplayer on here. The latest update, which is one point zero one, probably works better than those half-broken guns at the arcade. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. I, I love Duck Hunt. This has a special place in my heart. I played the crap out of that when I was a kid. So <laughs> that is awesome. I was stoked when you showed me that. Yes. And it's Master Turkey. That's his name. So, and, uh, Are you sure? Yeah, I think that's... Master Turkey is the YouTube channel. From what I was that reading. Is, yeah, Lappy La- is the developer. Yeah. But Master Turkey is the person who was doing the video. Okay, that I yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Big shout out to Lappy for that. And he has just been a coding machine on this stuff. I've been following him on Twitter. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And in a similar vein, uh, he remade a game called, what was it called? Because I'd never heard of this game. I it, played I Duck have Hunt. very limited experience with this it's one. It's called but Wild one, Gunman? Wild Gunman, yes. He also ended up making this, which is another Nintendo classic, which he remade as PS4 Homebrew. And from what I understand, I, I think he even releases PC versions, but we're covering the PS4 versions here. Mm-hmm. Come on, we're going to be covering those ones. Yeah. Right. But it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it definitely has the same, you know, Duck Hunt style, probably built with the same, you know, foundation or engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you hold the PS4 controller up in a similar way, shoot, you know, you're not shooting at moving our objects. Um, this is more like a old Western-like draw kind of yep. thing. But... Ooh, that's even a different video I'd watch. I watched the one on the left, and it was a yeah, that's the original. I'm checking out the 1.02 one. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is pretty neat. I mean, obviously, there's going to be multiple uses for this kind of uh, light gun, uh, not emulation, but recreation. Yes, because I don't even know if like I don't think there's any official Sony games that have done anything like this. Yeah. So that's what's really, really cool uh, as well too. So, yeah, really neat and really cool for the PS4 scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's been really awesome. So we wanted to give a bunch of love for that, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, absolutely. Nice job, Lappy. Nice, nice job, Lappy. Keep it up. And as, as well as the, what, what's the YouTube channel? Uh, Master Turkey, um, who did the, uh, did, got the footage for these. Yeah. Nice, little demos. Nice videos. I would say keep that up, too. I think Hell those yeah. are really cool. Hell, yeah. So we're not done in PS4 homebrew news. We are not. We've got a game. We have another game we want to cover. And it's called Pinball Wizard. And you've seen pinball games before, but 
dang, I was impressed with this one too. Yes. <laughs> this looks really nice. This one is not done by Lappy. This one is by Snake Pliskin. But yeah, this is a 3D homebrew type game. It's it's done in Unity from what I see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is pinball. I love pinball. So I actually, I need to play this as well too. Yeah, I definitely don't mind me some pinball, and the graphics look great. The actual, I don't know if this is based off of a real pinball uh, machine or if this is totally like his own creation, uh, but this is, I think it's really neat. Like, it looks like an entertaining pinball yes. cabinet. To play. Yeah, and look at this shit. Oh, this is cool. I like this. I like it a lot. If you get this up and running, I would definitely not mind playing it sometime. All right, next time we hang out, I'm doing this. Yeah, dude. I'm getting all these. Absolutely. Making sure they're they're fully yes, updated. Yes, and the all duck hunt. Yes, yeah, no, <laughs> I I, play that. The, the duck hunt is a must. Yeah, yeah. I've been waiting for something like that on the Switch. Could you imagine like just setting your like Switch on the table and? Be, oh my goodness, that'd be fantastic. Because they have World of Goo. Like why you can? Use, so I've never played World of Goo, so I'm kind of out of the loop on. It that, uses but. normally you have to have a Wii Mote or something like that, like our touch controls, because okay. you're like pointing and clicking and dragging. Like I've I've seen it. I guess you just use the. Uh, switch controller and just point at the screen and it uses the accelerometer and whatever mm-hmm. accurately enough to be able to uh, simulate what a Wiimote did. Very cool. So, like, I want some Duck Hunt. I yeah. think that would be an awesome party game. That, that would be. I mean, they already have the, uh, they have the if you pay for Nintendo Switch Online, the Nintendo games yeah. that come out on there, just add a modified version of Duck Hunt. And we've seen the Golf or whatever. Yes. Flog. Flog, yeah, which was, I think that was removed on, like, one of the three dot, dot something firmwares. Right, but they were able sadly. to get, you know, uh, motion controls in that game. So yes. why not Duck Hunt? Why not, why not Duck Hunt? Why not Duck Hunt? Hashtag that. Yeah. <laughs> I really wonder why, just talking about Flog, I really wonder why Nintendo removed that from the firmware. It's sad. Yeah. I, I, I actually was really, I was looking more looking forward to it actually coming, like, and being a thing that people could actually access on, what was it? Was it the anniversary I think of it was, Iwata's death or his I birthday? think it was his birthday, yeah. His for birthday. anybody that doesn't know, Flog was a, it is a Nintendo emulator that was created for the Switch, officially from Nintendo. It was hidden in the Switch firmware. Again, unfortunately, as of one of the three dot something firmwares, it was removed. But the way you could officially unlock it without any hacks was you have to wait for Iwata's birthday to come around. And you have to actually like connect to the internet and get the actual time on there. So if you do it all legitimately without any type of external or internal mods or any other trickery, you have to wait until Iwata's birthday and then you have to take the Joy-Cons and kind of do the directly to you yeah. motion. And if mm-hmm. you do that properly, it unlocks uh, Flog, which is the golf. Well, it's the Nintendo emulator, which only plays golf, but it's an updated build of golf, which, as you said, has the uh, has motion control and all that in there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bummed because I didn't get to do that. Like, I almost want to see if I can downgrade my Switch to a lower firmware. I guess you use, like, Emunand or something. Uh, um, oh, not yeah, you don't even need Emunand, really. I mean, you could just do it with, uh, what is it, with Choi du Jour. Choi du Jour, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's I guess it'd just be, if, if I could get Emunand to run with it, it'd just be, I guess, a little potentially a little bit easier. I don't know. Choi du Jour was pretty easy to use. Yes. Oh, it's so easy. But yeah. Well, Choi du Jour in X. Choi du Jour, it, there's Choi du Jour for the PC. Oh, uh, yeah. And then Choi du Jour in X is the Switch one. And in X is just so easy to use. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll experiment with that. I don't remember when his birthday is, but it would be awesome if we could get that running. Mm -hmm. One thing before we bounce off there. Did you see that the developer of the pinball uh, homebrew that we just showed off had a slight demo of uh, Airstrike 
what it was called? You know, this will be a first for me because I did see it. I glanced at it, but I did not look at the video. It so looks yeah. pretty impressive and fun. Yeah, I mean, airstrike is what it's called. We can we can even check it out here together. It's on the latter see. half of that video. Okay. So it's a while of pinball. Oh yeah, this too. is all right. Yeah, this is way in. So if there. you started okay. right at the where it goes, you know, I think it's uh, on the twenty second second of the minute that it transitions over. Okay. So it should be relatively soon after this. Let's see. But um. It looks pretty good. Now, it doesn't look like it's, you know, complete, obviously. This is just a preview. And you'll see when the game actually starts, it kind of goes straight into an aerial view. No, like, menu or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's stuff going on already, but it looks pretty impressive. Gotcha. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to skip forward. Oh, no. Okay. Looks like. Uh, Shifting games now, I think. Airstrike. Okay, there yeah, we go. Don't even have a logo. All right, I thought it was supposed to like somehow like reboot into that or somewhere it was hidden there, no. but you yeah, can let's see, see. Jump straight into flying this thing. Holy but shit! It looks like pretty nice. Yeah. Overall, like wow. Switch between different point of views. If you for those n- n- not watching the video, it's kind of like obviously in like a fighter jet, and he's switching point of views between first person, third person. Um, there's just a dozen fighter jets on the screen right now just like like <laughs> yeah, i'm seeing crazy. that uh, it's probably all computers at this point but you know it, it looks fun whether it's gonna be multiplayer or not i don't know this is i think this is all the information we have just like check out this other thing I'm doing. yeah that that's about it another unity powered game but so. the sky looks pretty neat the you know for just homebrew this it looks, looks nice very good i think yeah the models just look really nice even if they're like purchased from somewhere or whatever like good on them it looks good yeah no, I'm really digging this. This is awesome. A lot of exciting stuff. Coming. Yes, absolutely. So many like really cool, just like homebrew games. So. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, that was the last thing I had to say on that. I thought it was neat and worth sharing. Mm-hmm. Very cool. There was actually speaking of homebrew games. So I, I don't remember this person's name. It was on Twitter. Um, and uh, this is just worth, worth sharing, but like nothing else really came out of it. There was one person who I hadn't heard of them personally, but they reached out to me on Twitter and they asked me, if do you remember the uh the game uh save the scene on ps4 no uh that was the one where oh it was just, yes save the scene yes. yeah yeah so i don't know if they were trying to do something like that but this person had asked if they could they were making a switch homebrew game and they wanted to put me in it as a character and i kind of just <laughs> said i was like i appreciate it but i am like nowhere near as big or deserving to be in a homebrew game like that so i'll pass i'm just a talking head i don't even do switch tutorials or anything the most Switch stuff I do, aside from like you know using the mods and such, is really just like reporting it on mod chat well, here. This this small podcast. What so. you get for buying good cartoonified artwork of yourself? I guess so. That looks like it would be good in a video game. I guess so. Hmm. Maybe. Either way, though, I did politely decline. I was just like, "Hey, just <laughs> that that that's too big of a role for me." But cool. I appreciate it. I would play that. <laughs> I mean, whenever this game does come out, I I will probably still check it out. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Well, should we move on out of PlayStation territory yes. for a bit? Just a bit? Yeah. So We're D- going to be hopping into some Nintendo territory, as if we weren't there already with the, the PS4 homebrews. Right. Yeah. But the not the Switch yet. No. The DSi actually got some love. And in fact, it's been getting a bit of love lately. I mean, it we talked been. about some, I think you, was it last month you demoed your uh, cold boot? I did. Exploit? Yes. So that yes, just I did. right on the tail of that, we have a brand new uh, exploit called Memory Pit. Is mm-hmm. that right? The Memory Pit exploit, that For is. the DSi. Yeah. So that's really cool. So apparently every DSi now can be hacked 
for free with no pre-installed apps, no nothing really, just the camera app. Yes. No hard mods, nothing. Yep. So this is really awesome. Have you tried this yet, or have you looked into this? I have not, because I don't have another DSi to play around with. You've already kind of got... <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty happy up. with it at this point. But yeah, in, in short, you know, I want to say a few years ago, there was fir- custom firmware that was being developed on the DSi, and there were a few ways where you could get everything modded. So, I mean, the main way that you could do this was through Flipnote Studio, and it's an app, free app that you could download but as many people might know, the DSi shop, like the official DSi shop, has gone offline. It's mm-hmm. been offline for a bit. So prior to this coming out, if you went out and picked up a DSi yourself, you had to hope that whoever the previous owner was had downloaded Flipnote Studio and installed it on there. Mm-hmm. If it was not installed on there, the only way you could do it was if you go online, obtain the app yourself, and then perform a hard mod on your system and inject it into the NAND. Right. Yeah. But now at this point, every single DSi has a camera app. Right. And it's not getting any more updates, and it doesn't have any official store support. So now at this point, every single DSi, every single firmware, as long as the system is working and you have a SD card, you can modify your system. Right. And it it seems to be incredibly simple, too. You're basically just throwing some files from the kind of pit exploit on your SD card, putting the homebrew uh, menu, which is like a boot.nds at the root of your SD card. And once you go to the album, it tries to load this. I'm sure some exploit happens, whether it's some buffer overflow or something. It basically exploits that camera app or the album and boots you straight into the homebrew menu from there. Yeah. And you're in. <laughs> that's really cool. And that's actually, funny enough, that's actually even easier than the uh, the Flipnote Studio. Because with this, from what I remember, it's like, I, I'm very much generalizing it here. But I had to, you know, copy the files in and then had to go somewhere in Flipnote Studio, copy and paste thing something somewhere else, then do yep. another copy, paste. And then when you do that, it ends up crashing your system. It reboots you into that menu. And that was another, I think that was like a buffer overflow thing too. Because you're was, basically copying yeah. text that is too, too long to be in what the area it's supposed to be in. And that causes all kinds of craziness. And if you're smart enough, a lot of times you can actually take a hold of that and exploit it. Mm-hmm. So that is awesome. I really like to see that. This makes me want... Um, a DSi even more because I feel like this is going to be around this is probably going to be the main way of kind of getting into your DSi from now on I would say yeah this is going there there is no reason at this point like if you're just an end user you want to get custom firmware up and running on your DSi there's really no reason to use Flipnote Studio this is not only accessible on every single system every single firmware uh, but it's easier Mm -hmm. yeah it's copy paste you open the camera app you hit album done yep (laughs) Yeah. And then from there, I guess you can install your cold boot, cold boot uh, exploit like yes. you have or whatever. Yeah. And, I, yeah. I am really happy that this solution came about because that's what annoyed me with the DSi, where it's like, I didn't even think I had Flipnote Studio, and thankfully past me when I picked it up, I didn't update the firmware, I didn't wipe it or anything, and GameStop, when I got it from them, they didn't wipe the thing either, so shout out to them for not following policy properly. Mm. But what ended up happening was, yeah, when I did that, I remember just thinking, I was like, I, this is really disappointing that I have to pretty much pray that this is on, that this system is going to have flipped out studio. It's going to have this app that I can't get elsewhere. Yeah. The only way I can get it is if I inject it through the hard mod, which isn't impossible to do, but I've been told the points are very, 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 very tiny on the DSi. Yeah. 
One thing I wanted to point out, I don't know if we mentioned the developer's name, but it's Shutterbug2000, so shout out to Shutterbug for... We did not mention the um, developer's name. Thank you for bringing on this. that up. Big thank you for me. Yes. I do think it's kind of funny. This is an exploit based around the camera, and the developer's name is Shutterbug. <laughs> Seems fitting. Yeah, I was going to say maybe that was intentional, but... They joined, they end up claiming this name on GBA Temp in 2014. So unless they were really doing like some 5D chess or something, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I believe uh, MVG, Modern Vintage Gamer, he did a video on this too. And he actually was in communication, spoke with Shutterbug. And um, I believe Shutterbug, Shutterbug said once he started working on it, he had everything up and running within two or three hours. That's awesome. Yeah. So the DSi has kind of just been this like hidden, untapped, lost not really lost, but more, I guess, in the, the homebrew modding scene, kind of a lost handheld that many people glazed over because we kind of went from, you know, DSi with flashcards, well, DS with flashcards, DSi got flashcards, mm-hmm. and then 3DS, that went wild. And when the 3DS scene was cooling down for a little bit, that's when people were like, wait, let's look at the DSi and see what's going on there. I feel like this is mostly out of people's boredom at this point. Yeah. But, and just to continue the shout out, Shutterbug also is uh, one of the developers, main ones it looks like, who worked on uh, NDS Bootstrap Loader. So it's a, a 3DS homebrew application yes. to load DS games from the SD card, which I played around with when it first started coming out, and I haven't visited it in a long time. I'd like to go I think it's it gotten again. much better. Yeah, I hope so. I've never tried it. It's so. just like at the time, uh, I have a flash card laying around, so it's like it worked so well that I didn't really... The flash card you're saying worked yeah. well. Yeah. Right. But, you know, it'd be, I think it'd be cool to go play around with that again. So mm-hmm. shout out to Shutterbug. Thank you for all your hard work. This is awesome. Yes. Yeah. If I get a hold of another DSi, I will be using this. So thank you. Very cool. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Yes. So I know you know a lot more about this next talk, and I can already see the smile on your face. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think you should take this one. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. So this is from Terra Onion, who they are no stranger to products such as this. Let me see. I know they've done. They've done several others here, which I'm looking at, which, you know, let me just bring it up on screen for anybody watching. But this is the Mega CD. This is from the same company that's done things such as the Neo SD Pro AES, which these are essentially just flash carts for the Neo Geo systems. The Super SD System 3, which I don't remember what this was for. Let me see. For the PC Engine. Okay. So this is a PC Engine flashcard, and it does a bunch of other stuff. Like I think it increases, you know, your your video output and all that as well too. Uh, they've made some really awesome kick-ass products from what I've seen, and their latest development is the Mega SD. Now th- this thing is expensive. Look at that. Mm. Look at that. It is expensive. Euros. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but the shipping is free, so that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Not bad from what I see here. But yeah. Essentially, this thing, it is, in short, some people might be wondering, okay, well, this just looks like a Sega Genesis, Sega Mega Drive uh, multi-car, or not a multi-car, a flash car. Like, what is so special about this? And this thing is, without a doubt, going to be the best one on the market. It hasn't come out yet. Review units have gone out. There's been several reviews made. But the reason why this is so big here is because uh, it plays... You know, obviously, Mega Drive, Genesis games. It'll play Sega Master System games, which that's kind of expected because the Genesis is backwards compatible. It does play 32X games, but you do need the 32X hardware. 
So that's kind of the only downside on that. So you will need a 32X unit attached to your Genesis. You're going to need to plug it in. That does also mean that if you have the um, Mega SG, which is like the best Sega Genesis clone console out on the market right now, without a doubt the best one, you won't be playing 32X on there, sadly. And the biggest thing for me, the biggest thing, which not just for me, for everyone, is this is a Sega CD, essentially a Sega CD optical disc emulator. Mm -hmm. So you do have to provide your own BIOS when you set this up. But with this, you can play Sega, like Sega CD games off of a micro SD card and it supports up to 400 gigabytes. And you're probably going to need that space because Sega CD games are much, much, much bigger than Genesis games just because they're on CD-ROMs. But the point is, you're able now to play on your original hardware or a Mega SG, like any type of compatible clone systems, you can play Sega CD games from any region as long as you have the BIOS that you can supply without the Sega CD hardware. That's pretty sweet. And that is big. Because, you know, especially those optical drive systems, you want to preserve them, you want to take care of them and such. I am lucky enough to have a Sega CD. Now, from what I understand, even that really makes up for the cost on this, which is really nice mm -hmm. because um, if you're wanting to get a hold of a Sega CD, I think to get one like full and working all that now, you're going to be paying at least $120, $150 for the unit wow. alone. I need to figure out if my dad still has one laying around. Do it. Yeah. Do you know how much I paid for mine? 12 bucks. Nice. Yeah, I got it from a thrift store several years ago. I paid $12 for the Sega CD. It's a Model 2 uh, with the power cable and um, Sonic CD, just on a CD. Dude, yeah. yeah, that was probably the main game that we played. Yeah, I was I was shocked to see how much they had appreciated in value. That's crazy. And people are wanting them. So even if you want to get a really awesome Genesis Mega Drive experience and you want to get into playing Sega CD games natively, this is without doubt the best way to do it, whether or not you have Sega CD hardware. But if you don't have a Sega CD and you're really wanting to gun after those games and play them natively, I, without a doubt, really, like, I would gun after this. I'm going to personally hold off for a bit because I've got the Sega CD, I've got the Mega SG, I've messed around with that, and this is this is pricey. It's not just like a $50 item, $100 item, because this is also all done thanks to the FPGA that was created. So this is not, you know, any type of, like, you know, shitty software emulation. Mm -hmm. This is actual hardware that's been built to emulate that right like, you know create a drive emulator so to speak yeah so that is really cool some of the things to note though as i mentioned the 32x uh you can only play 32x roms if you have the 32x hardware and you have it plugged in there from what i saw this is a very small audience but nonetheless something to bring up from what i saw it is not compatible with 32x cd games hmm. so you can play Master System, Genesis, 32X, if you have the hardware, Sega CD, but Sega CD, well, Sega 32X CD games would not be playable on there. Hmm. That's a very small amount. Uh, also, apparently, the only game which is confirmed to not work for the Genesis is Virtua Racing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Do you have any idea why? Is there any reason for that? Probably because the specialized chips in there. Hmm. Because it's, it is an actual 3D game. 
hmm. on the system. It's wow. cool. I've never played it, so I'll show it to you sometime because I I bought it as well. Like I actually own it. I have a couple okay. copies of it. Thankfully, surprisingly enough, even though that game you would think it's really sought after, really expensive and all that, and it was very expensive when it came out because it had all those chips thrown in. They pretty much pulled you know a uh, like a Star Fox with it, so to speak. Um, it's a pretty cheap game last I checked. I got my cartridge-only copy for less than 10 bucks, and mm. I have a complete in-box copy that I paid 15 bucks for. Wow. So nice. it's really not that much. Nice. Yeah. I guess other things I want to note as well, too, when I was, uh, when I was really excited researching this, uh, you can also, similar to like what the SD to SNES does, where you can play, you can essentially patch. Here, you can now do the same thing. On both of these, but now the Genesis has its equivalent, you can now patch Genesis games to play with CD-based audio. So you have to bring your own patches, bring your own audio, but you can now patch that into games and greatly increase the audio. And the other cool things are that even if you're playing on native hardware and such, you have access to a cheat engine as well as save states. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty so neat. So this was all really dope. I, I got this information not only you know from the shop, but I, like from Terra Onion site, but I also wanted to give a big shout out to good friend of the show, Modern Vintage Gamer, who did a phenomenal review over this. And it is a crime that this has gotten only 62,000 views. Damn. Yeah, still I watched did, it. Still did well. But, like, where, where, where is the... I would think people are interested in this. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, it's not really oh, even modern related. Oh. It's more like retro, but, you know... I, I guess. Know. I guess. I, I, I don't know what video... I don't know how many views you would expect, but... Over 100,000, because that's... I think MVG should always get more views. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, This is another thing, too, uh, that I completely forgot to touch up on, but I'm glad he showed it here. Uh, Yeah, the Sega Nomad, which this is the original Switch, all right? Mm -hmm. This is the Genesis equivalent of the Nintendo Switch. You can now play Sega CD games natively on this, thanks to the Mega SD. That is awesome. Yes. That's super cool. If you do one of these, please do a screen upgrade. It is totally worth it, but you can do it. Wow. Yeah, the Nomad is crazy, man. I, I never heard of this until I think you told me about it. Because I was thinking yeah. of like the Neo Geo, and I was, which is very different. Mm-hmm. But wow. Yeah. I think it was the Neo Geo that I was thinking of. Was it? The Neo Geo, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I, I remember seeing one of those. I'd never seen one. Uh, I think it was the Neo Geo I saw it when I was a kid. And I'd never seen a Nomad. I don't think it was the Nomad. Uh, Game Gear, maybe? Game Gear, maybe cool. that's what it was. Because right. it was playing Sega games. Yes. There was a Sonic on it. I yep. think it was Game Gear. That's what it was. Yeah. But yeah, I never had much experience with these as a kid. And I can't believe I missed out on even knowing about the Nomad. Yeah, I, I think it came out a little too late in the Genesis life cycle from what I understand. So either way, this is cool as hell. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I, I will probably wait for a sale to pick it up. Because again, like I'm not I'm not dying to get it. But it looks it's a really bit expensive. Awesome. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. But I props to all the people that put in the hard work for it. It seems like it's very well done. Hell yeah. And based on what I've seen from Terra Onion's other products, like this is totally worth it. Very nice. Yeah. So great job on the Mega SD and great job MVG for the nice review. Hell yeah. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. Yeah. Did you, did you check it out? I have. I don't remember if I finished it. I know I was at work and it was kind of like uh, playing in the background while mm-hmm. I was doing some stuff. Soaking in the uh, information. Sure. I don't think I actually finished it, though, the more I think about it. So I'm probably going to go watch it and actually dedicate the 13 minutes. All right. But, yeah, his content is always great. I love keeping up with his stuff. Oh, yeah. MVG, we love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so moving on. 
we got some emulator stuff to talk about. Yeah, this is actually pretty cool. So RetroArch, um, know them, love them, do a lot of really, really good work in the emulation scene. And by the way, I was going to ask you, so you, you say RetroArch, right? Yeah. I, I say RetroArch as well. I, I hear a lot of people say RetroArch, but that's not correct. Mm, I don't know if I... If it was RetroArch, it would be R-E-T-R-O-A-R-C. You'd right? think. Well, I guess... Um, so when you see like arch like that, I guess, what what is it shortened for? Is it architecture? And if it's architecture... Oh, right. Yeah, retro architecture. I didn't even think of that, but... Yeah. Hmm. I don't know for sure. I like I arch. Just, yeah, I um, say retro arch. I, so. I used arch Linux for a while, and I'd never heard that called arc Linux. <laughs> um, I remember even playing Yu-Gi-Oh, and there was like arch fiends and i remember some kid called them arc fiends and i was like i don't like that <laughs> so i think i just default to that i don't anyway. like that but i call it retro arch uh, i'm sorry if i offend anyone with mm-hmm. my pronunciation but this is really cool so they've got a bounty out right now that's kind of on their patreon um and basically it's kind of uh it's in say it's in development right now so i haven't really looked into uh, you know uh, how good it is, I guess. I didn't even see the video, but it, it, they mentioned a video. The video, it is very. Oh, much, I guess you know, it is. It's it's very much you know a work in progress right now. It's not how it's going to be, you know, in like how it's actually going to be performing. Right, but basically what it is is a text to speech uh, in emulator. So like almost like closed captioning. Uh, well, cl- or not closed captioning. I guess not, not, uh, it's like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's like if you've ever seen one of those films that has descriptive audio yeah. in there, something like that. Which is pretty interesting. So I guess this is more of like an accessibility pe- feature. It is, yeah. And this is this is very slow because this is not anywhere close to the final product. But what's happening? If I'm showing it on screen here, it shows a voice came from above. They're pausing it here. It ends up finding the text. And you can't hear it on here, but it finds a text, goes through an OCR process, and then there is a voice that ends up saying what was in the text out loud through your speakers. Then it continues on. And again, this is very much work in progress right now, but I love seeing stuff like this. Like I I didn't even think this would be this would be something that people would be gunning after. Like I don't know how many people are asking for text-to-speech and emulators, but I'm sure this is going to help out a lot of people who are visually impaired and who are wanting to play through this. Yeah. Play through some classic games and, you know, use... Oh, I love OCR technology. Yeah, definitely. And accessibility is always something I like to see. I think people, in general, the software industry doesn't always give it the best attention, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, the reality is there's a lot of people out there that could enjoy these games and software that we use a lot more if there was just a, more, a little bit more care Mm-hmm. Give it to them. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So there, if you if you if there's something you want to support, definitely go check out their Patreon. We'll have like the links for all that stuff. I'm sure. Um, I you can pledge one or a few dollars um, with slight rewards and stuff like that. Uh, so I don't think you get any products with this, but you know you're supporting the development of, you are. of some really cool stuff yeah i'm not sure where uh, i haven't even looked at their patron rewards on there um i'm sure they might have yeah well you, you get your credits all right yeah i didn't know if they issued you know early patreon builds or not that's how you see a lot of these mm-hmm. uh, software-based patrons uh work but no it just seems to be you know it could be anywhere from you know getting into a discord it's pretty much discord reward reddit flare and uh getting mentioned in credits 
So you can totally get credited for being in an emulator, technically. Yeah, <laughs> helping support the development. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. And they're obviously very trustworthy people. You know, the money's going to go to a good place. Yes. So that's not really the only thing that they're kind of uh, trying to raise money for through Patreon. Not right? at all. And it looks like they're actually working on a PlayStation 2 emulator core they called are. Play. I've never heard of this. Have you heard of this? No, this is the first time. Cool. In fact, it's kind of weird because Play is a Java framework I use at work. Oh. I'm not the biggest fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Play, and I see that, and it's like, ah. But um, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. This is pretty interesting. Now, is there not already a PlayStation 2 core out there or one that's in development? No. Uh, no. Now, they do have a PCSX2 core bounty, and they are, you know, willing to pay uh, a reward for somebody who gets PCX2, a PCX2 core ported for working on RetroArch. Or, God, I'm saying it now, RetroArch. But <laughs> no, uh, there is, this has been some people been asking for years. People have been begging for a PS2 core for RetroArch. Uh, so from what I understand, I, I don't think play is super fleshed out by any means, but it is entirely possible to have, have a PS2 games running here soon on RetroArch. Yeah, and uh, I found a link to the Play downloads for, yeah. I guess, what's available right now. Okay. Uh, it's pureeye.org. Let me check Or this maybe out. it's supposed to be Pure. Um, and, uh, you know, spelled slightly hmm. weird. But you can get downloads for this, uh, even for iOS, Windows, Mac OS, Android, iOS. So I'm guessing it's just, you know, a fully compiled you know binary or whatever okay and it's really just about getting this ported to a uh retro arch core very cool so i suppose you can probably go check it out now if you'd like just not through retro arch yes yeah no it's been out there for a hot minute from what i can see okay. i've never heard of it myself being ported over. same here hmm. yeah interesting well that's really cool so it sounds like the developers are already kind of like in agreement of doing this and it's kind of underway and if you want to help fund it Go give uh, LibRetro some of your monies. Yeah. Cool stuff's going to happen with they'll, it. They'll take it. They'll, yeah, they'll take it and turn it into cool things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Was there any, like, rewards for that Patreon? Um, I don't uh, think so. It's, I still, think it's, it's still the same thing. No, same it's, thing. it's just the LibRetro Patreon. Yep. So it's all the same kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know New Age Soldier here is chiming in and saying, uh, Play is a multi-platform emulator, but it's not anywhere near PCSX2. PCSX2 has daily commits, play has maybe monthly. Hmm. And that's that's about what I expected, especially when I just saw the site. I was like, oh, last update, 2018. Well, last post, 2018. Post before Finish that, months. 2017. So Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Now. Now. We're not really done with RetroArch news. No, we are not. In fact, we've been... Like on the in the news a lot, like over they the last been. few months, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And to all see positive other, stuff, thankfully. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to see other development um, <laughs> has, has been going and um, all the cool stuff we're getting out of it. And for this, maybe you can explain this a little bit better. Um, I looked into this a little bit, but this is this is I don't know. Sure. Interesting. I guess it's more it, optimizations for the Vita. Is that what this is? This is very short and sweet. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of putting this out here, not only as it's not really news, but I kind of just awareness. Look, if you think that you might be able to do this, you can get some money in the process. All right. I just, I just want to kind of blast this out there a bit. So there is a feature request, which is open for a GXM driver for hardware acceleration on the Vita. 
and they're saying here that the Vita uses software rendering when it comes to RetroArch. However, it's preventing cores from using their full potential, and it's saying here, of course, 3D emulation, but hardware acceleration could also do wonders for the 2D display. So this would essentially allow, if this bounty is successfully completed, proper hardware utilization of the Vita as opposed to using only software rendering. And when when I added this, it was only a hundred, well, not only, okay, it was a hundred dollar bounty. At this point, the reason why I say only is because it's over doubled now. So $225 and counting. Wow. So if you want to support this, you know, you can throw some money here. If you think you can do this and you want to get some money and help out the Vita scene at the same time, hey, look, free money right there. That is very cool. I mean, <laughs> it'll be even cooler once this gets completed. Hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. This is pretty much what is, people have said this is what is holding RetroArch on the Vita back. That's a decent so little chunk of change, That's too. why I kind of just want to put it out there. I wouldn't mind a couple hundred dollars yeah. from software development. Yeah. Only I could actually write drivers. <laughs> that is not my forte, but... It's not it's mine cool. either. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have we have one last thing in the tur in the world of emulation, which we had uh, actually talked about a little bit before. Yeah, I was going to ask how much you want to dive into this. Uh, you know, we, we can still at least talk about it here. Sure. But one thing that many people were asking us about, and even, you know, in the chat here, a few people were... The Raspberry Pi 4 was announced. Yeah, I and did not see this coming. Actually released, right? It is it is out there. I believe so. What I yeah. know. I saw some reviews of it, um, some comparisons and stuff like that. So it's already in people's hands one way or another. This thing looks like a monstrosity in a good way. Yeah, it's definitely got quite a... Like, it's got some nice upgrades to it. Yes. The reason why we're chucking this in here is because it's not the Raspberry Pi 4. It is a computer. It is not only a emulation machine. It's not the only thing it can do. But obviously here in the context of mod chat and all the channel here, that's what people are going to want to be looking for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they want to throw their, you know, the RetroPie setup on there and everything. So, of course, this is the typical, you know, it's about as big as a uh, credit card and it starts at $35. That's actually new. It starts there. No, and that's, that's where it. Oh, you mean just the, this time around? It yeah. Goes up. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah. it goes for anywhere from 35 to $55. Right. And that really just goes with the choice of RAM. So the one gigabyte of RAM is the cheapest. The four gigabyte is the most expensive. But even just taking a look at this, you got, I think the previous model, the 3B Plus had gigabit Ethernet. It did not. I thought it, no, the three... I, the 3B Plus, I thought it had gigabit Ethernet, but mm. the CPU was holding it back, so you weren't actually was using that gigabit. That, that does sound familiar, but for some reason I thought this is... Because I remember so, some people were kind of bashing on it a little bit, saying like, well, the gigabit is kind of useless with if it's chucked in there with the other specs. But this one actually has USB 3.0 now at this point. They did downgrade to micro USB ports. However, they can go up to 4K, and you can do two 4K displays... So I can totally see why they did that. They went USB Type-C for the power supply, so no longer fumbling with micro USB, and of course a more powerful processor. So I'm just, just a quick Google search also to show, from what I'm seeing, it had 330 megabits per second as the limit on the gigabit Ethernet, or oh. on, the, on the Ethernet for the uh, 3B+. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, from what I was reading, people were pretty stoked on this actually having gigabit Ethernet. I don't know where that confusion came from, because I feel like, I think we were both confused. It sound, we, I thought this be, sounds familiar, right? Yeah, like a does. previous model did have gigabit Ethernet. It just wasn't being fully utilized because of the rest of the specs. Yeah, I'm not... Hmm. I don't know, but I, I'm seeing... 
this back and forth cool. information on this. So I'm not sure. We might you, you might be right. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it has gigabit Ethernet. That's good. Um, and one thing that I was super stoked about was the uh, video output upgrades mm-hmm. that they have. So you're not getting HDMI, like a full HDMI port anymore, but you are getting two mini or micro HDMI's? Uh, micro eight, two micro HDMI ports, yeah. So they you can, can power two 4K displays? Yes, right here. Which is really silly for like a Raspberry Pi. I know, but I love it. And it's still $35. Yeah. Even though, yeah, it's technically the, technically the most expensive one is 55 It's still the $35 computer. And I love that they're sticking to that. Yeah, people, I mean, they're getting old and long in the tooth at this point, but people probably still use two gig uh, laptops with two gigs of ram right so like it's really yeah. not that obscene um but yeah it, it looks like a really nice upgrade i just don't have that much of a use for it right now i understand so. now one thing to note is that it looks very similar the board does but not only are the video outputs a little different but the rest of the ports are actually like the uh, usb and the gigabit ethernet port is on the other side i believe i think they swapped them essentially so like the two there's two usbs on the left here and before they were on the right so cases definitely will not fit. Gotcha. Um, okay. Well, mm, no, it's looking to be about the same, to me at least. Of course, I'm sure people need you know different yeah, form factor cases and all that. But but the, t- the oh, I see what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. yeah, they okay. I see what you're moving. They flipped around Ethernet and USB. Okay, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So instead of like the Ethernet being on the right, the Ethernet was on the left. Mm-hmm. So even if like you ignored the video output, uh, you probably won't be able to weasel this into a case without taking sure. a Dremel to it. Yeah. Which, I mean, people would be willing to do. People can just 3D print their cases as well, too. But, yeah, yeah, yeah it looks like $35, $45, $55 for the 1, 2, and 4 gig models, respectively. Yeah. I would just go after the 4 gig whenever I decide to get one. Yeah, probably. 55 is still not much to spend. No, not at all. But I'm pretty stoked about this upgrade. A lot of the other stuff, like the GPIO pins, are like in the same spot. So, yes. uh, I think like the camera attachment or camera pins or whatever. A lot of this onboard stuff are like in the same form factor. So I think compatibility is still going to be there for like a lot of your modules and stuff like that. The screens they make specifically for this. Yeah. I know um, Dentron here was saying my only complaint about it is those micro HDMI ports, micro ports break easy. Uh, I can totally see that. However, I, I do believe I, I see why they went this route. Mm-hmm. They still want to stick to the same form factor and this way they can do two different displays and they'll have the actual space for it. So right. that probably just made the most sense as opposed to trying to stick on another HDMI port or even going mini HDMI. Yeah. Yeah. But it also cool. does make me want to, like, I want to see a beefier Raspberry Pi. Yeah. And I, I think people have been wanting that for a while. It's just from what I see what Raspberry, like what um, what the company is doing who produces Raspberry Pis, uh, they still want to stick to their thirty-five dollar thing. So right. for the for the little like stick of gum type ones, like the Raspberry Pi Zeros, they only want those to be five dollars. That's it. And the actual Raspberry Pi, they want those to stick to thirty-five. Here they're going out of their comfort range a little bit, like with the forty-five, fifty-five dollar options. But at the end, I mean, at its core, it's still a thirty-five dollar computer. That's what they want to stick to. I understand and. They probably just couldn't do it with the proper specs they wanted until now for that price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that they should keep the two tiers they have now. But it would, I think it'd be really interesting to see what they could do, even with like a. I've seen people do this already, but like a little something a little bit beefier, and then like something you could put into a laptop form factor really easy. That'd be cool. And then you could like if they kept. 
I mean, they've kept the same size, right? If they made it so it was easy to upgrade to the next Raspberry Pi or whatever, like uh, whatever this higher tier one would be, mm -hmm. I think that would be kind of neat. So you could keep the same shell if you wanted to and just swap that the board out. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, cool. Do it. Do it. So yeah, I'm hyped, but it's not like either of us are going to begin one right now. Not immediately, no. Should we move on? Absolutely, we should. I was going to ask, could you do me a favor and take this? I need to go to the bathroom so bad. Sure. I really appreciate it. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I got this. Cool. I got Thank this. You. Thank you. So. Thank you. Okay, I'm going. I'll make it quick. I promise. <laughs> so, uh, someone we've talked about on the show a number of times, Cyrus M, big uh, member of the Switch hacking community, uh, on the Atmosphere NX GitHub, they released Atmosphere 0.9.1. So, We've seen a number of Atmosphere releases over the last few months, but this one was particularly useful. Um, so it, it looks like it actually supports the 8.1.0 firmware that was released not that long ago, which is nice and kind of an expected update. But it also supports an experimental version of what is being called e, uh, MUMMC. And that's basically this generation's EMUNAND. So if you remember Eminan from the 3DS, you basically had a copy of your um, in, internal uh, NAND and you were able to run your custom firmware on top of that instead. So you'd reroute the operating system you'd boot to and you could run off that. The Switch has a form of this with the, um, the SX dongle. So you can actually get Eminan working on there and there's actually a couple different ways that you can configure that, which is cool. So. This is a little bit of catch up to that, but I'm glad we have an open source option. We talked maybe last month, uh, Mr. Mario and I, and he was kind of going back and forth between his different custom firmwares because he liked using Immunand, but didn't want to stick with SX. Uh, so this is really nice. I think it's really cool to see this out. And yeah, do you have any thoughts on MU, MMC? Fantastic that this is now out for something aside from uh, from SX. SXOS, yeah. Because yeah. this is just this is just atmosphere right now, right? For this implementation yeah. of it, it's not on. Um, well, Cosmos is just atmosphere packaged with a whole lot of stuff, and then what was the other thing? Um, Rayonex mm -hmm. does not have that. Rayonex has Delta Launch, but that's their exclusive thing. But yeah. Now I didn't get to the, like how it's actually implemented. I haven't seen that necessarily. So, uh, do you know if they have kind of the flexibility of making it like a partition on the SD card or a file, kind of like SX, or how it differs? So that I do not know, and I don't really want to talk out of my ass on there. Um, I would, he, here's the assuming thing. Uh, oh, here, actually, support, okay. <laughs> support is included for redirecting NAND to a partition on the SD card. This can be done by setting this setting here to the start sector of your partition. Sports also include for redirecting NAND to a collection of loose files on the SD card. All right. And okay, so it looks like this is nice then. You could either partition your SD card or you can just have it be a set of files on right. your SD card. Very, Very nice. Cool. Yeah, as this, especially once this gets out of kind of the experimental phase, I would love to look into this because I, I hadn't really been using SXOS. You definitely were using it more like we had mentioned. And even episodes. now I'm not really using it. Like yeah. even um, the only time I really use it is like to dump, you know, a new cartridge based game that I get. But now, you know, even with this, this isn't running on atmosphere. Right. Like atmosphere it's is nice. fantastic. So. Yeah. 
So I'm really excited for that to kind of <laughs> develop, and I'll, I'll be upgrading my Switch to use that as time goes on. Yeah. Now we've got some more Switch-related news. It's definitely not uh, slowing down there. Hell but. no, not at all. I was going to say, just the last thing I want to say on here, because there was three methods I was thinking of. So it looks like as SXOS, it does have um, Immunand, of course, mm-hmm. but it does have th- the same support for either just a raw set of files or a partition. Mm-hmm. And their thing, which we had talked about before, like a while ago, uh, was you could also do Immunand on your actual NAND. So you split mm-hmm. the NAND itself, which yeah. I don't, Nobody was really recommending to do mm-hmm. that. I am glad that that is not an option with this. Yeah, I don't see I'm why. I'm glad that's not that. an option. Just keep it to the SD card, please. Thank you. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> well said. Yes. So now uh, we've got some news. Some big news here, yeah. actually. Uh, it looks like caffeine, which I had not heard of until this, shows how out of date I am with some of this stuff, was updated to support firmware on uh, 4.1.0 on patched switches. Mm-hmm. So this is pretty neat. We've seen it demoed with Deja Vu and with Pig Escape, mm-hmm. which I guess Pig Escape came out today? It did, today. So like, there's it a came lot out going today. on. today, yes. <laughs> I saw someone in the uh, chat posting about that, and I didn't want to say anything just yeah. yet. Didn't want to spoil it yet. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. We already had the Raspberry Pi 4 spoiled a little bit. <laughs> I mean, thank you for the donation on that, David, but right. we had to spoil a little bit, so we didn't want to do two spoilers on here. Right, right, right. <laughs> but this this is pretty awesome. Um, I've been a little out of the loop on a lot of the Deja Vu stuff. We talked about it a little bit here, but I don't know if this is something you can speak to. Uh, from what I know on this, this is a warm boot exploit, so you don't have you know the same cold boot compatibility like you do on the switch right now like the the non-patch switches where you're just able to cold boot out of rcm load up your payload and such so they needed some type of other exploit and this is kind of what was talked about and hinted at by several developers such as like mike heskin and uh, i think cyrus m and a few others Uh, but this has been this has been in the works for a while now and I guess the most exciting thing with this is that now if you have a patch switch and it is on firmware 4.1 or lower, but 4.1 seems to be the recommended firmware for this, you can now actually run homebrew, run Mm -hmm. unsigned code, run RCM payloads for the first time. Yeah. And then with the new atmosphere stuff, potentially start experimenting around with MUMMC. Yes. Which you could then upgrade your switch. And that is what they absolutely recommend. They're just like, hey, um, people are saying, you know, if you have a switch on 4.1.0 and it is the eye-patched switch, we recommend you do this, you run Hikate or Hekate, back up your NAND immediately, then immediately create a EMMC, EMU, MMC, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like EMU NAND, that's what I'm calling it, right? And uh, then you, you run everything off there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Now, you made a pretty big disclaimer in our show notes here, and I think we should definitely mention it. Sure. Auto RCM does not work with this. Does not work. And do not do t- it. <laughs> yeah. And it's saying here, do not enable our auto RCM under any circumstance on a patch console. You will brick if you do so. Right. So that is where the warm boot thing comes in as well, too. You right. Know, and the, re- the reason for that is that the patched units basically patched the exploit that would be used after auto rcm was enabled so you go into auto rcm 
we would, or you would even RCM in general. Well, yeah, yeah RCM, right, RCM. Because yeah, that's the big thing that the patch switches, they still have RCM. Right. But, but you just can't do anything with it. Exactly. That's Nintendo's tool. They have the software to do it. Previously, what you know you use with like a jig and whatnot is you're going to be exploiting RCM. Can't do that. So you're stuck in this recovery mode that you can't get out of. Exactly. And yeah, even on this, so I was showing this video here that was posted up, and even in short, you know, this they ended really up nice. they ended up loading this up here. They're able to launch the exploit to get into Pega Switch or Peg Escape. Peg Escape, excuse me, Peg Escape, and then from there, end up loading this up. And it reboots them into their custom firmware. Right. Yeah. Or reboots them into a payload that they choose, is what I should accurately say. And then from there, from the payload, you end up booting into whatever custom firmware you would like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This I is, mean, this I is almost... I showed this here, but yeah. It takes a little bit, but this is almost it, nicer than using a jig. It is, yeah, because you, you don't need a jig for this at all. You just boot it you up. You don't need to hard mod. Yeah. Very cool. Right now, in. we do have the official Pegascape. Right, right here so this is even talking about further what this is for so you can do it on switches anywhere from 1.0.0 to 3.0.0 and here it's saying or 4.0.1 to 4.1.0 so i'd recommend just getting it onto 4.1.0 if you can and here it's saying yeah you can also install the fake news entry point to make accessing pegascape easier and access the homebrew menu without running full custom firmware if you prefer Right, but I, I guess technically 1.0 is the most supported, right? So past 1.0, you can't do the fake news installer. You can't do the reboot to... That is that is true, yeah. You, you have this kind of sweet spot right here. So it's essentially, it, it looks like, yeah, uh, you know, the homebrew loader, you can load up on all of them, but... It looks like with, you know, 2.0 to 3.0, well, 2.0 to 4.1, uh, those are the ones where you can do both the homebrew loader and caffeine on there, but you're not going to be able to do, uh, you know, all the stuff like Nariba. I don't even I know just that looked is. that up. I hadn't heard yeah. about it, but it's basically a, uh, it's a exploit to reboot to a fused jelly payload from a stock. Firmware. Oh, okay. And 1.0.0 has the most hacks on there. So that mm -hmm. makes sense. All right, cool. Very cool. Yeah, and big, big thing as well, too. I don't think there's any, like, big tutorials on this yet, at least, like, video tutorials. But, yeah, they do also uh, talk about, you know, not running auto RCM on here. And they also mention avoid using these uh, these applications on any mm -hmm. iPatch systems, which would be Mimloader, Choix de Jour, Choix de Jour NX, of course, safe on a MUMCC, anything involving our auto RCM, as we had talked about, and anything which writes to sysname without proper security or verification in place. So you really have to kind of hold your breath when doing some of this. Uh, I feel like this is almost kind of comparable to the original switches are like, you know, a hard modded original Xbox. Mm -hmm. And then the iPatch switches, which are running this are like a soft modded system where you can do almost everything you can on a hard modded system. But there are things that if if you try and do everything, you can brick your system inoperable yeah. if you don't take the proper precautions. And to go back just a little bit, I wasn't looking at the chart correctly. Caffeine, which is the thing that allows you to run the custom firmware, isn't supported on 1.0, right? So. Yeah, so 1.0 has a few other things, but really it seems like, yeah, you're going to be best on one of the later firmwares yep. for actual usage. 
Um, that's big. That's big. That's yeah. the, the first time publicly any you know iPatch switches are running something properly. And there are guides out there. You know, we were on pigescape.sdsetup.com, and sdsetup.com is like the official like Atmosphere Atlas kind of like setup guide website. Mm-hmm. So this is all legit stuff, and there's a lot of you know good documentation on it. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, very cool. Good stuff happening. Very cool. Yes. So yeah, we finally have we finally have movement on those eye patch switches. So if you got an early eye patch switch. And like one of the first ones that had, you know, firmware 4.0 or 4.1 on there and you did not update it, you did yourself a good job. Yeah. Get to some modding. Hell down. Damn it. Get to some modding now. <laughs> it's a good time to do it. It is. It is. Now, speaking of switch modding. Speaking of it. We heard about something dealing with kind of like getting Android to run on a switch a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. I think that was around the time we also talked about Windows 10 or something. Yeah, there was a Windows like, 10 IoT that yeah. was ported over. Yeah. Or, yeah, because that, that's, that's the ARM build, right. ARM-based build. It looks like the Android side of things is closer than ever. I mm-hmm. don't think we have a build out yet. As far as you know, you have... Not a public one, no. Right. But XDA, which is actually well-known, I'm sure you're familiar with them, xdadevelopers.com, they're a forum that actually uh, mainly hosts a lot of tutorials and downloads for um, hacking your Android devices. Mm-hmm. So unlocking bootloaders, rooting them, installing custom ROMs. I was very active on there. Um, if you have ever, I'm not, ta- not talking just to you, I'm going to talk to the audience here. If you have ever attempted to modify your Android device, you have without a doubt mm-hmm. been onto this website. Yep. So uh, they've actually opened up a sub forum for Switch. Yes, it's pretty funny. That yeah. was I was not expecting that, but I'm really happy to see that. Right. No, it's going to be interesting. I don't know what exactly is going to be there because this, you know, it's like what 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 kind of content is there? I guess custom builds of Android. People could like you know as, as long as we have the compiling, we could get custom builds of Android. So there could be all kinds of different custom ROMs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It could show up different kernels potentially. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves. Yeah. But it looks pretty cool. It does. And while the Switch is is lacking a few things that modern tablets have, like a GPS and whatnot, mm-hmm. it seems, you know, probably going to be a really nice tablet. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is kind of going to, if you're willing to modify your Switch, which I'm sure most people listening here are, uh, this is going to satisfy the urge that some people have had. Because one of my best friends, he... Straight up said, like, he was disappointed the Switch wasn't launching. It still doesn't have one officially, but it didn't launch with the internet browser or anything. Because he mm-hmm. was telling me, like, yeah, you know, I want this system to play games on it. But I was also thinking, oh, since it's a mobile tablet, that's literally what it is, hardware-wise. Since it's a mobile tablet, instead of me buying a new tablet to replace my old one, which I love and bricked, I'll just get a Switch so I can watch YouTube. I can browse the internet on that mm-hmm. as well, too. I can keep it on the side and run media of some kind while I'm cooking. Well, and on top of that, it's actually running the same hardware that an Android tablet has ran in the past. Yes. <laughs> the Tegra. So it's not even that foreign of a, a thing all around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we don't have it out in the public, but XDA did get their hands on the build and actually has done a, a, a write-up. And I think yes, they, they did. did. This some... gentleman, Adam Conway, right here mm-hmm. is the one who did this. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really neat. And there's going to be a lot of stuff that you can do with it. Um, I've, he talked about how emulators were working good. They tested a Nintendo DS emulator, so that would be kind of neat. Yep. Um, YouTube 
works well. This looks like such a nicely fleshed out build so far. And it wasn't just even from, like I, I gave this article a good read and Right, right. And it yeah. wasn't even like YouTube works kinda, it's slow, there's frame rate issues. No. no, it's just like it works. Spotify, it works. Twitch, it works. Yeah, yeah. From from what I see, I did take some notes on this and e- even with this, you know, it has full support for all apps from the Google Play Store, which is cool. Uh, media apps, you know, as Dev was mentioning, like Netflix, YouTube, Spotify seem to work so, fel- so far. You can utilize as much storage as you want to throw an SD card at it. So if you got a 400 gigabyte micro SD card, you got access to that. Uh, he was saying, and this seems to be more from optimization standpoint, PUBG Mobile does work, but it has some hiccups. Fortnite does not work. Mm-hmm. Which so, is okay, because you can get Fortnite on the Switch. Right. Yeah, on the Switch itself. Uh, Joy-Cons cannot be fully utilized. They are wireless Bluetooth devices, even when they are hooked up to the system itself. So Right, and we saw that with Ubuntu on the Switch as yes. well. Yep. But yeah, the then even as you said, though, like Drastic seems to work flawlessly. RetroArch is working well. But as you also mentioned, uh, you know, Anything such as like Pokemon Go is not going to work because you don't have GPS. Anything that requires a mic, that's not going to work well. Uh, and there's no camera on the Switch, so nothing that involves with your cameras going, nothing that involves your camera is going to work properly. Something that is nice is that even though the Switch does not, at least currently, support a Bluetooth headset, it has the hardware to do so. So you can attach a Bluetooth headset. It's a not as good quality like uh, codec. What is it? I think it was just. Um, A2DP, mm-hmm. um, so not one of the nicer codecs, so you're not going to get quite the fidelity out of it. This isn't going to be a premium like media device in that department, but for what it is, this opens up a lot of doors. Yeah. Makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this was such a... I mean, we're just barely scratching the surface on here, and those are just my rough notes on it, but this is just... It, it was such a great article. I really enjoyed reading this. Right. Yeah, and they are saying here that, you know, this this ETA win... There's no ETA, but they are saying you should check out these forms, which let's even, let's check out these forms. Come yeah, on, let's check this out. Yet. Yeah. And they did mention, um, Switch root Android port there's going to be an easy installer ETA. to set up your SD card, which I think is interesting, mm-hmm. um, which is at the moment booted via Hikate. So it's probably going to be, <laughs> this is probably going to be something that is going to be a little more user-friendly than your average custom firmware, perhaps, you know what I mean? Trying to really like market itself as a complete package. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of nice. Um, but yeah, it does use Hikate. It's using standard stuff that we already know. So, um, so, so anybody yeah. here listening who's familiar with switch modding and all that stuff, you're already going to have a leg up when you go to XDA, thankfully. And this is, this is out. Right. And then for the people that, you know, don't care too much about the hacking scene and want to just get this up and running and they have a non-patch switch, ideally, it should be pretty easy mm-hmm. when it comes out. Yeah. Very cool. Man, if only I could get that hand on that build. In fact, that's what Tristan was thinking as well, because he donated $2 and said, and thank I thank you need... very much for that, Yes, Tristan. thank you. He said, I need that Android build to drop. I need it. I want to so... play around with it when it releases. Yeah. yeah. And Tristan, if it drops and you start playing with it right away, let us know, because I would love to hear uh, some feedback on that if I don't get to it before you guys do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, thank you so much for the $2. Appreciate it. Big thank you. Tristan, that, that's like Tristan's he, traditional. $2. Yeah, no, he he likes to do the two dollar donation. Yeah, we appreciate it. It's very <laughs> it, it's very appreciated every time. Yeah, it does not go unnoticed. Yeah. So is that all? That's is all. That, is that all Switch news? That's all the Switch news. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. 
That's some, like some, section some good like, stuff going on this month for Switch. I guess the PS4 had some good news. It did. It, it's it did. definitely like catching up. But Switch is always so filled. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it back a few years. Just a few? Yeah. We're going back to one of your favorite consoles. One of my favorite consoles. It's not your favorite console of all time. It's not my favorite console of all time, but it's one of my favorite consoles. No. PlayStation 1 yeah. is what we're talking about. System brings me pure joy. Right. So this is pretty interesting. I think you kind of mentioned that you wanted me to fill out the details a bit, and I, th- I think I can speak to some stuff. All right, But this cool. is, I mean, it's pretty interesting. So basically, uh, a project called the PS Noob SDK came out, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is a completely, I think this is one of the first, maybe? I don't know. I'm not, I haven't kept up on this scene uh, much at all with in terms of the SDK support or anything like that. But this is basically an open source SDK, 100% free and open source um, so you're not going to have any legal issues compiling this stuff as opposed to like obtaining an official Sony SDK. Yeah. You don't have to track down net Eurose either. And I don't know about any other, maybe the, the chat, if you all know of any other homebrew SDKs that have come out for the PS one that have been successful, let us know. But yeah, this one is, uh, it was cool for me that they said, yeah, this can be for freeware or commercial use. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, uh, very lenient with the kind of, uh, licensing and permissions and whatnot. And what was interesting is that this actually tries to essentially emulate the um, official SDK as much as possible. So perhaps if there are people out there that have been using the official PlayStation SDK, not wanting to get off that for whatever reason, whether they like the feature set, like the syntax, like the way that the libraries are constructed and how they're used, this may make the transition a little bit easier. And, of course, you don't have to worry about the legality of distributing something with copywritten files. Yeah. Or built with copywritten files. Because you do get in a very gray area with that whole thing. Yeah. So, I can't really get into, like, <laughs> actually using this SDK. This is not something I've set up. Um, I haven't worked on Homebrew in a long, long time. And um, so, it's kind of out of my element at the moment. But I think it's cool. And I think it's really neat that they're going through the effort to... Uh, make it work as close as they can to the official SDK. Yeah. I mean, it, it has libraries and everything with it as well, too. So there's there's a lot that is available with this, right. thankfully. It says, as of uh, version 0.10b, extensive GPU support with polygon primitives, high-speed DMA, VRAM transfers, and DMA ordering table processing, lots of other details, extensive GTE support, stable and easy-to-use interrupt service routine with callback system of SIMP, Simplified handling of hardware and all kinds of stuff. I, uh, serial I.O. support, BIOS controller functions. I mean, this thing sounds just stacked Yeah. features. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, I this wouldn't be something I would mess with because I'm really not a developer, uh, but it sounds like this is truly packed with pretty much everything you need to get started except mm-hmm. for the compiler that has to be obtained separately but it's also a freely available compiler so right and they've got the link to like the tool chain that they suggest yes um, here especially for windows so and, and this does support windows um they do say it needs work the right. windows build needs work it sounds like the <laughs> linux and unix systems are more of what gets you know the primary support here sure so you're probably going to be able to get this on you know any linux distribution probably mac os as well uh and if you really want to windows so yeah just uh, remember needs work (laughs) yeah i mean there's a lot of windows developers out there it it surprises me still when i see people like developing on windows that you know not for like dot net stuff i don't know but i've been outside of the windows world for a long time i'm probably still in the minority 
I understand. But we're growing. <laughs> there are dozens of us. No, there's a lot more. Right. <laughs> Between Mac OS users and Linux users now, it's still slowly, steadily growing. Sure. But yeah, uh, I think that's awesome. I hope we see some cool stuff out of it. I just wish that I was, you know, more up to date on Homebrew to actually play around with something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. These days I'm on the complete opposite of the spectrum doing like web development <laughs> i understand uh, hey i mean you're, you're you're hacking up things your own way yeah it's been it's fun i've been having a great time yeah and you're getting paid for it so that is true yeah that is definitely a plus compared to when i was you know 14 years old getting into some of this stuff but but when you're 14 getting into some of the stuff that built the foundation for oh, where yeah. you're at now oh so. yeah yeah We've we've had long talks about this on matcha and off matcha yeah long long time long time but yeah PlayStation 1, getting some updates. It's yeah. always crazy to see I'm, some stuff like that. I'm happy to see that. Yeah. Yeah. How Do you have any interest in, like, if a lot of new homebrew comes out for the PlayStation 1, are you going to dive in? I would absolutely like to, yeah. I, I did see... I, I keep forgetting to check this out. I know Paradox had done a few, like, the, the, the release group Paradox, they did a few um, demos and such back in the day. Not, like, playable, but just, you know... A demonstration of what the ps1 can do uh i watched them they were cool but i've only seen each of them once i do want to revisit those and then the net Yarose project are you familiar with that at all Mm-mm. so it was essentially you could purchase this through sony and it was a way of it was essentially a legal way of developing homebrew officially through sony where the games didn't like officially come out but you would be supplied a developer system, and it was a black system with a black controller called a Net Yorose Edition system. Came with a bunch of books, came with software, came with licenses you needed. You can code up your games and all that stuff. And I think they were released. The games weren't ever officially released, like in stores, but a lot of them were packed into like PlayStation demo discs and such. But it was Sony's official way of getting people to code, like make their own homebrew games. Hmm with official Sony hardware licenses and all that stuff. Um, I do remember, I, I remember I was shocked at the, I want to say it was like well over $500. At the time, this is in the 90s. But then again, that's also a lot cheaper than, you know, getting getting officially licensed and everything for, you know, like if, if you're someone like EA mm-hmm. or someone else. So right. it was cool. It was pretty, the, those systems, <coughs> excuse me, are pretty valuable now because, it wasn't a super popular program, so there's not really many that exist out there that people had purchased. It's a very different landscape. I mean, I don't know the exact, uh, you know, path to get working on indie games on Nintendo Switch or something like that, or even any of these, you know, modern generation consoles. But I feel like it's just a, such a different world mm-hmm. than it used to be. Yeah, so much more accessible. It is, which is good. And speaking of accessibility. We do have some that we can talk about, which is kind of related to things getting more accessible. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you that. Segue. Okay, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, this is we have do, do, you or me. You, uh, nah, you can go for it. Okay, start it off. Cool. I'll follow cool. you up. Thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> so we actually have some nothing big, nothing like huge, huge, huge. I think you. it's kind of hilarious. All right. <laughs> But we have something Xbox One hacks related we can talk about. Big disclaimer, this is in dev mode. <laughs> yeah. No, because I have to say this stuff, all yes, right? Yes, I have to sure. say this stuff. <laughs> and we've seen a few things where we've like, been able to install some homebrew through yeah, dev mode, right? Which I still need to do. I, 
before I moved, I packed up my Xbox One, my original one, a few months ago, and it's still just sitting in its box like a year and a half later. So, yeah, I don't use that thing. It happens. It happens. Anyways, so this is for the Xbox One. And again, dev mode, not retail side. This is dev mode. But this is posted up on uh, DigiX, I believe. And this is a Xbox One dev mode privilege escalation exploit called Superfun. This is pretty easy to go through here, but this is a privilege escalation exploit for the Xbox One consoles running in dev mode published by XVMM. At the moment, this allows you to use the XRF tool to dump the contents of your Xbox One's NAND. The readme of this privilege escalation is as follows. You need a USB drive and you need the Xbox unattend script. So you take the superfun.xboxunattend or any Xbox unattend script of your choice and put it onto a flash drive, plug it into your system. Of course, once you're in dev mode, uh, after you place the USB drive in your Xbox One console, connect to it over SSH, navigates to where you extract the utilities, and you can launch the, the script from there. And then the script provided will start a fun little Telnet session. Right, so does the, I, I, I was trying to fill in some gaps here. Does the sure. Xbox Unattend script actually let you, is that what allows you to do the SSH session? session? That I don't know because I personally haven't taken a full look at the script here. Right, so like I doubt you can navigate over to it well, through SSH no. by default, right? No, 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 no. This is no. Or, you would have SSH available as well. No, that you would have SSH available, and then the script allows you to open up Telnet. Okay, right. Oh, so superfun.xbox unattended. Okay, I was getting a little confused. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I was so looking no, at that. So no, you have SSH available if you're doing I guess, this already. Yeah, if you're in dev mode, probably. I mm-hmm. doubt it's available for every user. So that's what it is. So yeah. I mean, that's pretty interesting. So it's basically, like you said, it's a read-only uh, exploit for the NAND, right? You can't really do anything with it, but you can dump it. And we've seen many times over, dumping the NAND is often the first step in kind of progressing this whole thing and this is actually not the first time that uh nand dumps have happened actually like shortly after the xbox one launch team executor did confirm they were able to dump the nand they even made a they released instructions on how to do it yourself and they released some tools and they even made a little uh pcb they i don't think they ever released it to the public but they showed a pcb where you could do that uh, and the ps like th- this is always the first step into anything and it's cool that you can dump the NAND or dump the NOR off of a piece of hardware, uh, but that doesn't automatically mean, hey, we've dumped NAND, so now we can exploit the system fully. No. A, a NAND dump is a NAND dump, and I, I'm really not. I don't want to. I don't want to downplay it or put any negativity on it. I'm just stating the fact there that dumping the NAND is dumping the NAND. Yeah, dumping yeah. the NAND does not equate to exploit. There's a lot to dig through. There's a lot to look at. But that, yeah, you're right. That doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be something to do with it right now. Mm-hmm. So it could be a while. It could be never still. We could still be in the same boat. Like, you know what I mean? Having NAND I, dumps and basic level home brew on dead consoles. I'll, I'll put like this. The Xbox One's NAND was initially dumped, like, homebrew-wise. It was dumped in, like, 2013. Okay. Maybe even 2014. We're in 2019 right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. But that's at least something that, uh, so like, it just slid across me. I was like, okay, cool. I'll toss it in here. Definitely. So... Um, take it you're not going to be <laughs> dumping your nan anytime soon. Not anytime soon. No. Are you in dev mode at all, or are you still? No, no. Okay. I my my system is still stock retail and everything. I just yeah. I literally packed it up, put it in the box, boxed up. <laughs> yeah, I think I it still you. even has the tape over it too. That's sad. I thought you I thought you undid or unpacked all your boxes. You said. I mean. <laughs> 
the ones that matter, I guess. <laughs> like I, to, to credit, I do have a one X that is hooked up in my living, no, sure. like my, my basement area. And I use that, um, I guess entertainment area. Um, I mostly use it just for, you know, watching movies and TV shows admittedly because I don't, I don't have an Android box there or anything. I guess I don't always want to, you know, sit here, use my phone. This is just getting into rain. I don't want to sit here, use my phone all the time for Chromecast. And then I mostly use Plex and the PS4's Plex app is a piece of shit. Mm. It is so bad. That's Last sad. night I was shocked that I was able to watch stuff for like 30 minutes without it crashing That's once. Sad. Yeah, um, media playback on PS4 just isn't as good. It's better on Xbox One. But Xbox One's Plex direct play is broken because you can't really do direct play. So hmm. that's why I just, I'm having my, my own fault, but I have just all these Plex issues there. You need so. another PC is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Specifically I, for media. Yeah, probably should do that, but hmm. I don't. Just because, yeah. you know, console's tiny and it sits there, so. Right. And then <laughs> e even if, like, you get a good thing set up, I feel like I need to have, like, a keyboard and mouse on deck just in case I actually need to, you know what I mean, manhandle my PC a little bit. Yes. Like, yeah. you can get it set up with, like, you know, probably a controller and some interface, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whether it was, like, Cody or whatever. Yeah. But, cause I'm pretty sure you could, like, set it up with Cody and then you could um, get a Plex plug-in for Cody. Yes. And then yep. go that route. Because I've, I've done that on a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, we'll see if you ever get around to it. We'll see. But it's something. Uh, if I if I ever do get around to it, I do want to mess around with the emulators and everything. Just the mm -hmm. thing is, I would do it, like, upstairs, like, at my, like, in my office. Mm -hmm. And then the problem is then, because it's the original Xbox One, the thing is, like, this. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's, like, this big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a big boy. <laughs> oh. Well, it's been a long stream and a long day. Let's get going we got yes. one more topic to go we through we do we do and i'm getting and sleepy i am too yeah i am too my i drank my coffee at the right time i, I was able to get energized enough for this podcast I and i'm like say, you know what i'm i did not have my pre-show coffee i have to time it properly that's yeah. my thing yeah but yeah. anyways this one was really cool i'm super stoked to uh, hear about this square enix is doing putting a lot of effort it sounds like for game preservation yeah and this is not directly modding related but we've talked about preservation things like that on here and i, I want to bring this up as well too yeah yeah um, absolutely game of sutra and even um not only just i guess preservation but trying to make their titles available as the years go on right yeah um because i think they're realizing too it's like actually we have all these ips and all these old games that we're not really doing anything with like fine like I don't know, Final Fantasy VIII, for example, is like, the game is done. Mm -hmm. Like, the game's been done for years. But if we can just port it, which is going to take significantly less time and significantly less resources, people will rebuy it. Yeah, and I, I think that it's not even, like, a, in the cash grab territory, right? It's not like they're just, like, repumping out this stuff. Like, people want this stuff. People have I been think, dying for, for a while, it seems I, like. I think it's awesome that you not have just a bunch Final of... Fantasy VIII, but well, yeah. yeah, but I think it's awesome that you have a bunch of these games that are on... Android, they're on Switch, they're on all these different consoles that you can go buy. They're on the PC. You can like pick your console of choice and go play these games again. Uh, you know, the only thing better than that would be some service where you could like uh, share them across consoles, mm -hmm. <laughs> which that's probably never going to happen at least not anytime soon. As you know, they keep releasing these. Um, I'm sure they're going to continue to like provide them on every platform they can. Sure. Now, one thing that was interesting, which we heard of this before mm -hmm. they don't have 
all of the source code. Yeah, that's that's happened a lot, a, a yeah. lot more often than it probably should, and it's right. kind of terrifying. But a lot of developers just didn't give a shit about source control. Once right. the game is done, it's done. Why do we need this source code? Let's just overwrite these tapes with other source codes of games we're working on currently. Right. And co stuff was a lot different back then. Like storage was more of a premium. And oh yeah. Just like the mechanisms. Like now we've got like Git that hosts everything in the cloud and is replicated, and it's like you know almost more difficult to lose some of that because even just developing the process of development, backing up your code is useful and whatnot. So yeah. Um, Matsuda even has a quote here that says, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but some cases we just don't know where the code is anymore. <laughs> it's very hard to find them sometimes because back in the day you just made them and put them out there and you were done. You didn't think of how you were going to sell them down the road. Um, oh yeah, kind of just exactly what I said. Right. So sometimes well, customers ask, why haven't you released that game yet? And the truth of the matter is, it's because we don't know where it has gone. <laughs> well, apparently that's like that's even why I brought up Final Fantasy VIII because that was actually a very real issue with Final Fantasy VIII. The reason why we had Final Fantasy, you know, six released so many times, seven, nine, ten, ten two, eleven's online, but you know, twelve, thirteen. The reason why all those games were getting re-released and people were then asking for eight because it's like you all just skipped over eight. What's going on here? Like, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And yeah, the word was they didn't know where the source code was. They did not have the final source code. Right. But so. I guess they eventually found it because eight's out now, isn't it? Uh, it got announced. Got announced. It got announced. Okay. Yes. So okay. I don't play all the Final Fantasy games. I would love to play ten mm -hmm. on the Switch, though. It's kind of going to be one of my next games I get into. Mm -hmm. I know uh, Dentron is also saying here Kingdom Hearts HD had to be reverse engineered from a game disc to be ported. That is what some of these companies have to do. And I have heard that story about Kingdom Hearts HD. I have played Kingdom Hearts HD on the PS3 and PS4, and it is beyond impressive they were able to reverse engineer that game hmm. and get it ported over. That so really cool. big props to the teams who worked on that. Because sometimes you might run into stuff like, I mean, have you heard of like the horrible Silent Hill 2 port? Or remastered, no. I guess. So Silent Hill 2 came out on, I mean, it's, kind of best on ps2 funny enough because when it got ported to xbox there was some issues with it xbox backwards compatibility on the xbox 360 has even more issues that are introduced in the pc build um it, it's very tricky to get it running you have to apply a lot of fixes now and even back in the day i'd heard that it wasn't really the best on there um and then when it got i guess remastered like the hd collection when they got ported to hd for the Xbox 360 and PS3, they weren't working on final code. They were working on unfinished beta code of it, essentially. So it's really buggy and it's kind of incomplete because they had to essentially rework the, like they, they had to fix bugs and then run into bugs that weren't run in before mm -hmm. and document this and fix them. And I mean, it was still buggy and such, even in the end, because you're technically pay, playing just a heavily modified beta build of yeah. the game. Wow. Yeah. Silent Hill 3, I think, was better, but Silent Hill 2 was... It was rough. Props to all the people that try and work on that. Fonts got changed to Comic Sans. That's what happened. Yikes. I'm not kidding on that either. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're a big Silent Hill fan. Sorry. It I, sounds like it hurts. I do love Silent Hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I've played it a couple times on the 360. Like, it's it's not like it's completely unplayable. It's just like, oh, this could be better, yeah. but it's convenient. So. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, shoot. 
I think that's the end of our topics. Yeah, that is the end of our topics. This went on a lot longer than I expected, but that's because we we were talking so much at the beginning. Yeah, we did. Uh, everything. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. So like good. this time, like we a lot of times when we like meet up, we probably spend like almost thirty minutes just chatting before the show. Yeah. I feel like we didn't get in, into any of the topics or any of the material this time. Mm-hmm. This is like definitely our like first conversation about most of these topics. Yes. So, it was. But hopefully Absolutely. it was a good show. Yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I'm hoping so. Hopefully you all enjoyed it, whether you're watching live or listening or watching after the fact. But Devin, what time is it now? Uh, it's time for Q&A. It's time for Q&A. So in case you do not know, uh, if you are joining us live, what we like to do is we like to open the floor for Q&A. So if anybody is in the comment section of the live show, you all are welcome mm-hmm. to ask us really whatever the hell you want, and we'll try and answer what we can. We normally do this for about 20 or 30 minutes. So if you're here live, please go ahead. Feel free to ask. Uh, if you are listening to this or watching it after the fact, try and come out to a live show if you can. I try and announce them a few days ahead of time. Uh, we have been doing some of them here, like, not last month, but typically I'll try and do it, like, in the middle Wednesday of the month or so. Uh, this time we kind of did it near the end just because of scheduling conflicts and all that. But, yeah, we I'll, I'll try and announce it, you know, on Twitter, Discord, uh, not so much Facebook. I don't care for Facebook, but of course the YouTube channel as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, so there's one here. I don't. I guess it's directed to you. How sure. did you get 10k subs? Which 10k? I I guess I just kept uploading videos until it took several years, but eventually about 10,000 people hit subscribe. Hmm. So no magic. Not really any magic. No. Just, I mean, at, at, at the base of it, just keep uploading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's no secret sauce. There's no guarantee to it or anything. Um, I don't know why the channel is as big as it is. And it's kind of anxiety-inducing at times. But Don't buy your subscribers. No, because that can get you banned. I, I listened to your last couple Mario Minutes. Yeah. Um, I heard yeah, I talked about that on yeah. there. Yeah. It's not a good look. No, it's keep, not at all. Keep pushing get people to get into your stuff for your content, not because of your numbers. Yeah. There is one um, that was a question that was asked by a friend of the show, Kyle, actually. Sure. Friend Kyle. Um, he was asking about my new laptop, so I actually have an upgrade here. Work. Yeah, it's no longer as bright as the other one. Yeah, it's actually a little it's a darker gray. I do like it. But yeah, work provided me with a, an upgrade, so that's nice. Appreciate that. Um, it's cool. It's the MacBook Pro 2018, 15-inch. Um, it's got the touch bar. Touch bar is okay. Faster, I guess. The touch um, bar is like where all the F keys are, right? Yeah. So actually, like. Oh, okay. Oh. So, so actually, this is. I'm isn't seeing even, that. Like he just he. Okay. Yeah. You're able to flip um, from F keys to not F keys. Well, so yeah, that's what's funny. I'll show you. It's even like a little different. So normally it actually has app controls per the thing. Gotcha. So like here is like I can go to the web or the URL here in Chrome. There's a favorite button. There's a new tab button. Um, so it actually tries to have like app controls depending on the app that you're in. Um, so like I guess in Final Cut, there's some like kind of scrubbing you can do or like trimming that you can do with the touch bar. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm a developer and I use the F keys a lot. So I just like I showed you before this, like literally there's an option in the keyboard setting to just put the F keys back on mm-hmm. and then um, just I, as, as the defaults. Right. And if I hold function, it just shows the normal um, keys that the old MacBooks had. So it's not the context aware stuff. It's just like brightness and 
uh, play pause. Yeah. So I've reverted it back, but now I don't have tactile buttons for the F keys. I don't know. Uh, the performance is is nice. You know what I mean. The battery life was a huge upgrade so far. It's been it's been sipping battery pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice. Uh, fingerprint scanner is cool. I guess. Would I pay the money for one of these myself right now? Probably not. Um, it gets pretty expensive. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I've heard that they're not... The, the fixability on them is pretty low rated. I will say I've had the last MacBook I had for four years. I haven't had a single issue. Sure. Still runs great. Okay. Um, the keyboards on these do have issues, but they've got like an extended warranty program where they'll fix the keyboard for free, I guess. Okay. If they have any Just issues. Had so. Okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious now. Let's see what about this would be cost-wise. Hmm. I'm just looking at you building this out here, ideally. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I do wish they had 32 gigs of RAM. That's the one downside. But yeah, I mean, we're probably talking like um, over three grand. Okay. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, that is. Just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. Pretty cool. Not bad. The touchpad is huge. It's like yeah, the size of a Nexus I was, 7 almost. Yeah, I was surprised at that when you showed me <laughs> that, like, pause, but yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, d- just because this is on con- in context. Exit, sure. friend of the show. Uh, thoughts on sticker bombing laptops? I love it. I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, you're not going to give me OCD with your sticker like laptop. In fact, I kind of envy people, but like for me, just like technology has a certain place, right? Like I would never put a sticker on my phone. Sure. I like refuse to put a sticker on my laptop. And, and it's weird because for me, like laptops are like the only thing I like, I wouldn't put stickers on my switch. I wouldn't put them on my computer. I don't put them. I guess the only ones I put on my computer are like, you know, like the Intel ones or something. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't put any on my phone. The only devices I've owned that I want to put stickers on, our laptops. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I like it though. I just like the look for some reason. Yeah, I feel like I'd be like way too concerned about like what stickers like would go on it. In fact, when I got this, the uh, there was a, a sticker for like my company on it, mm-hmm. and it just had like the, like our logo on it, and I was just like very quickly like get that off. No, nope, no, nope, done, <laughs> done. I can done. take this off, right? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Let's see any other things? Um, yeah, go ahead, pick one. Ooh, Monberg. So. Okay, directed at you, Mr. Mario. What do you do if you find rust in consoles, even if it's only the shielding? I have one which has lots of this black stuff, and I heard it's common. Jeez, you know, I am not the person to ask when it comes to rust removal on there. I'm not even sure of what the proper method would be on that, or what would be recommended. Um, I haven't run into any consoles that are horrible enough where I have to worry about it. If there's a little bit of rust, I don't mind keeping it on there. Might not be the the best response to really give on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't done any rust restorations on an actual console shielding itself. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Can't speak to that. Yeah. Well, good luck with your situation. Sorry to hear your consoles. Yeah, Less I'm I'm that. wondering what console that is. <laughs> yeah. James nine nine three seven here. Uh, isn't the RAM soldered on? Uh, them still, which I believe he's referring to this uh, MacBook here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's 
it's way it's too huge, thin. Yeah, <laughs> it's a huge disappointment. It's way too thin. Honestly, like when they announced that this, these laptops were getting thinner a couple of years ago, I was like, no, like we don't need them. Any like, yes, it's it's very thin. Mm-hmm. Like it's about as thin as an iPad Pro almost or something like that. But it's yeah, I don't know. Um, it's nice, but at this point, you know, I, I guess maybe it's, you know, and I'm not rolling in the dough, but I guess I have enough money when I go to buy a computer, like a laptop, I would buy it with enough memory. And I don't think I'm going to hold on to them for so long that that memory is going to become irrelevant. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would, you know, a desktop, I want to upgrade. Like I would possibly buy a Mac or an Apple laptop given the right situation and if I really needed a laptop, but I would not buy an Apple desktop, even with a new Mac Pro. Which is I a whole I thought the I thought the trash can ones were silly. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Nobody no nobody wanted to use them. People like had to use them because they needed a certain workload and a workflow that was only available on Mac OS. Mm-hmm. Like I really didn't see that many people that actually really enjoyed them. I didn't see any actually. I'm sure they exist, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the new Mac Pros are actually. I like, like the actual like iMacs with the screens built in. Like I really liked those form factors. And yeah, they went to the garbage can. I'm like, no, this is garbage. No, the iMacs are still being made, all in ones, where it's just the screen. Those are still getting made. Okay, yeah, so they have an iMac and an iMac Pro that actually has like a Xeon processor. Oh, or okay, and the iMac Pro is that the is that the trash can? No, no, no. These are so. All, what is the trash can? The iMac. That's the Mac Pro iMacs are okay. all-in-one desktops that are... Okay, okay. The Mac Pro used to be what... Like, my I, bad. See, this, new, is, this is how like I pay like half attention yeah. to Apple stuff because it's just it's not really so my, my forte. The new Mac Pro um, looks like the old Mac Pro. So this yeah. is the old Mac Pro. So I saw a lot of people teasing the cheese grater, and I was like, well, didn't... Wait a minute. Didn't a lot of people like how those looked? I wasn't sure. Yeah. I think just, maybe I have a special affinity to well, them because you, that's what the original like Alpha Xbox 360 dev kits were. Sure. I think what people like laughed about is like the old one kind of looked like a cheese grater, but the holes were really small. This one they like almost magnified. Yeah, yeah, I can holes. see that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it doesn't. I don't think it looks the best, the new Mac Pro, but you know, it's at least they have a desktop form factor where you can upgrade RAM, and they're not going totally in that direction. Yeah. You'll be able to upgrade the GPUs theoretically, though. Nvidia support on Mac OS is lacking. Hopefully that changes, and they're even, uh, I guess, with the new version, they're like adding like legit third-party driver support for the first time ever that's cool so that's like that is cool it, you know we'll, we'll see maybe tides are changing but the mac pro is expensive it's like six grand starting yeah i saw that yeah so yeah yeah i don't know i didn't thankfully i didn't really get worked up about that i kind of just like saw tweets and some articles about it all because like some people have gotten the impression because you know i'll like build my own pcs i use like a windows laptop i don't i don't use iphones i just stick with android whenever i have to get a new phone some people think i hate apple i'm like no i don't hate apple it's just not really my preference mm-hmm. and because of that i'm like well i'm not also i'm not like in the tech sphere where i really have to pay attention to this constantly like i'm not you know like a tech news reporter or anything else mind you um so i kind of just get bits and pieces and i'm happy with that um but i'm not like actively seeking out what's going on here but i remember i did see that i was like oh well that's disappointing that's really expensive i'm sure there's people that are going Mm -hmm. to buy it but i'll just stick to my pcs that i'll build and have fun with those and those work just fine for me it does frustrate me <clears throat> because I'm in this demographic where I've got my PC, right? Like, I don't, I don't like want... your desktop. Yeah. yeah, like, I've got my desktop. I don't want an iMac. 
I would like, even though I don't game on my PC hardly ever, I would like it available, and you just, that's not, you can get an iMac Pro, you can get one with a GPU, but I've even heard of people issues where it's just like, you get thermal throttling, because it's just this all-in-one yeah. package. Like, yeah, because it's, it's, all, it's all there, it's... Everything is there. And then you, you know, then what do you have? Like, you have the I, Mac Mini? I think my desk, yeah, think about it. My desktop is thicker than the iMacs. Oh, dude, the iMacs yeah. are like razor thin these days, too. Oh, okay, so they're getting even smaller then. All right. Oh, dude, yeah, so I'll show you the iMac Pro, which um, we're not showing this really yeah. on stream, but I'm I just, sure most I people, just want to say. Look, it's, oh, look how razor thin it looks. Yeah, that I mean, is it, really It's not even thin. a full side profile, right? Mm -hmm. It gets a little thicker in the middle. But that is actually running like some pretty significant uh, specs for what it is. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I do want to say uh, Dan Tron had mentioned this, where he he's saying Apple for me has become the pay for the logo brand. Um, I I can definitely see that. I do have an anecdotal story for that. I know of someone who I was recommending to their family member, like they were wanting to get a iPhone, and they weren't sure about iPhone or Android, so I was kind of going over the positives and negatives with them. And in the end, she had said, thank you. I really appreciate all the time you, you went on this. I still want the Apple, though. And then even, like, the friend I was talking to, she was like, wait, what? why? Like, he just explained to you how Android's better. And this chick, she, she straight up said, I know, but Android doesn't have the little Apple on it. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, For some people, it is just straight up branding. <laughs> I mean, I think it's – I know somebody who also – clearly will go up and down he said that it, to this day if microsoft made a phone i will buy it i do not care i will buy everything i can he is a microsoft fanboy mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's you're gonna find that in all camps i um i think it just what's what suffers is when you get that loyalty and the popularity i think that just comes with a lot of negative connotations mm -hmm. and then those brands can run with the price and if they do you get a lot of negative connotations. I had a friend who was like that where he's he's still, for the most part, pretty much Microsoft everything. But he was like, he was one of like the last dozen, it seemed like, um, Windows Phone users in yep. 2018. And uh, yeah, he kind of just, now that it's really nothing is really supporting Windows Phone that well. And Windows Phone really went down the tubes and everything. Um, he, he got, he had to move to something else. Mm -hmm. It was either ios or android and he chose android yep. but he got kicked out of there yeah and what i was getting at though was like for people like me like a desktop user like i have i want to game have have the gpu available even if i was on mac os like mac os has some games they're getting more with their metal crap like maybe they're not you don't have the selection but like let's just theoretically say right like i want a desktop similar to what i have i don't have the option like mm -hmm. you have a mac mini that's not gonna fly um, you've got the iMac, which is not exactly what I'm looking for. Not really. It's a nice machine, but not what I'm looking for. And then you have the Mac Pro. It's like, okay, we're missing something here, right? Like, I, I, My tower probably, I've invested, I guess the current build is probably close to like $1,500 or something like that. Cool. Right? Actually, it's less now because it's older, right? But, you know, like money I've invested into it. I swapped a couple parts, but let's just say 1500 Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. And let's let's even double that for the Apple tax, mm -hmm. which is a lot. Apple. Let's run. Product, let's say four thousand. Even three or four thousand. We're yeah. still not. We don't have a computer that fits that bill with Apple. Mm -hmm. So as long as Hackintoshing works, this is it's still the operating system for me right now because it fits the balance between developer support for what I do on a daily basis, for web development and stuff like that, and commercial application support. If Linux had more commercial application support. 
um, and kind of smooth out some edges in a couple areas, which we won't get into right now. I would love to use Linux, but right now macOS has like kind of gets right in the middle, right where it should be. So sure. I don't know, but it, it is disheartening because it's like, man, I can't even get a, I couldn't even buy a computer from you guys if I wanted to. Yeah, I'd be like sacrificing so much. <laughs> yeah. But and plus, I, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of Mac OS X. That's, anyways, or Mac OS. So, uh, iMac Pro. You see how thin the bezels get? I'm seeing. Yeah, it's like it's razor thin, and yep. it's got what's the CPU? Uh, eight core Intel Xeon, um, Radeon Pro Vega 56, eight gigabytes of memory on the graphics card. I mean, it's hefty. That's in a very thin package. Yeah, I I wouldn't trust that. Yeah, I would not trust that. Mm-mm. All right, well, let's move on because I'm getting tired. So let's pick up a yeah. couple more here. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, How about this? Um, I want to grab, do you think consoles in general are getting to the point from factory and modders getting into them that we are basically killing new invention when it comes to consoles? I'm actually really confused on that. I was hoping reading out loud would, would Like maybe they don't want to invest in enough money because to like advance them because they're going to lose money on modders, right? Like they, like they're like we can only invest this much money on advancing the console because if we expect the console to get hacked and we lose money from piracy sales, then we don't like they've budgeted that into like their R&D or something. Maybe that's what it maybe. And even if that's the case, I I don't think so as much on that just because consoles are getting much more secure now. Um and then even when it comes to that, they these companies, they're they're having you know security teams work on these systems and such, and get them get them up to speed. Make sure things might need to be patched where they are. Of course, the switch, you know, that was kind of year one, Ugh, big oof on Nintendo's part there. Um, but when it comes to like the Xbox, I'm just thinking like when I'm thinking that I'm thinking of the Xbox One, for example. We really haven't seen anything on that, and I'm not sure if it's. I mean, I'm sure it's a lack of interest, but it's really also just the operating system on there is locked down pretty damn well and the system is using bit lockers well too from what i understand so shit is pretty indestructible when it comes to that mm-hmm. at least i think we're gonna see mods on it later but i don't think anytime soon i don't know if that answers the question that's kind of just like my thoughts coming out hmm. uh kind of a follow-up to i guess something i was talking about with the hackintosh stuff or mac os New Age Soldier says, you don't use VS Code, Linux, Mac, Windows. That's what I use to build my web apps. Um, I do use VS Code a bit. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty nice. Uh, I do find that like Mac OS with, uh, even though it's not an official package manager, homebrew, it's typically a better, smoother experience than Windows is for uh, just in general development environments and getting things set up. I also think that it's... In a little bit easier to script things, especially for me coming from a Linux world with both the terminal on macOS kind of being bash or something like that um, and being able to script a lot of stuff. I could basically do my whole entire setup with one script that I download from GitHub and five minutes later I have everything I need set up. Really nice. It's so much harder to do on Windows. Um, Windows has Chocolatey, <laughs> that's like a package manager that is okay, but I've had Chocolatey break so many more times in Homebrew or just screw up installs or something. It just does not seem to be nearly as smooth of an experience. So, um, I don't know. It's it's not my preference for development for multiple reasons, and I'm just not the biggest Windows fan, if that answers your question. 
And then also, why has jailbreaking phones died down from Steve-O's, Steve-O's? Yeah. Um, I think it's just similar thing we were talking about with console modding. Is it's just getting harder and harder, especially with one target. Like, Apple can do nothing but p- plug holes. You know what I mean? Well, I was going to say, those. from what I know, those exploits are also pretty nice payouts as well, too. Right. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, there are bounties out there we've seen like people do that stuff with some of the nintendo code where they actually like ended up submitting exploits and stuff like that get paid mm-hmm. um so it's a very tempting offer you know what i mean these people put in a lot of their hard work for no, no money or little donations a lot of time sure there there's people now who are doing you know security research like that and bug bounties and that's their that's their full-time occupation and they are just you know they, they just work for themselves they and that's how they make their money, just through bug bounties. Reverse engineering, all Apple that stuff. Apple is not stupid, and I'm sure they have a lot of penetration testing people in the company, like hiring some of the best. They're worth a lot of money. They've got a lot of money. They can they hire a lot of money. really, really good white hat hackers for their internal needs. Sure. And I think also operating systems are getting good enough where like you don't need those tweaks as much. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just less incentive. I know that's what a few people had said. James was saying the OS finally got good enough to not really need to. Because I remember, like, you know, SB settings was fantastic. But so so much of the stuff that we were adding into jailbroken iDevices has been added back in. Uh, I think Thought Signal, uh, I believe they're kind of on the lead of what I'm thinking here as well, too. They said, uh, why jailbreak phones when you can easily make signed applications and patches? And... I think that's kind of the method that's going with it as well, too. If you want to mess around with apps that aren't available on the iOS store, essentially, from from what I recall, and maybe someone can correct me on this, but from what I recall, at least for those patches um, or those applications, you can just register yourself as an Apple developer somehow, and then you take these applications, you sign them to your phone, and you're able to use them. Uh, granted, you're essentially saying, hey, I'm testing this emulator or I'm testing this media player. Uh, and from what I understand, you have to re-sign them every two weeks. Mm-hmm. But that does satisfy the urge a lot of people have. And yeah, and that even because, what is it? I had looked into this not that long ago and like iOS 12 like was having issues or something. And even like they have these uh, prof- provisioning profiles, these inter enterprise provisioning profiles that they'll distribute and then like apple like that's what is like hey i'm an enterprise person and i need need like 300 people to test my thing and so they let people download these profiles and apple will flag them oh okay like it's not just like a total grab all Mm -hmm. there are other things where like there was like an injector tool that kind of like facilitated some of this stuff and like did this a little bit of hackery i did that for a uh, an application to spoof my gps on pokemon go pretty interesting so i can't remember what the tool was called but it would like i plug it in and run this tool and it would like inject the thing and i need to do it like once a week or whatever but it kind of, i think it was bypassing some of that but it was also like exploiting something even on the apple servers like mm-hmm. it was like getting a new provisioning profile or something it was wild hmm. but last i checked the emulators weren't available for ios 12 or something um so yeah it, it's it's really hit or miss it's not quite the be all end all Sure. Solution. Maybe if there was source code but available, it's, it, it it's a way for people to get custom home uh, homebrew. I guess you could say homebrew unauthorized apps onto their device. Yeah, which so, is what most people who jailbreak their phones want to do. Yeah. 
Cydia Impactor, James, thank you for putting that in there. Um, you can sign for free with a regular account, but only for seven days. So yeah, that's kind of limitation. But City Impactor is actually a desktop application made by the same people. Okay. And that's what I was thinking of. Um, and even, yeah, I, I looked up the iEmulators.com, and I don't think... To be honest, and a lot of this I hear third party too. I have been really, I, I could say I've been out of iOS jailbreaking since maybe iOS 5, mm -hmm. something like that, just because I haven't, like, I've, I've had iPhones, but I don't have the desire, you know, to, to modify them or anything. So, yeah. See, I, I, it doesn't look like a lot of this stuff is available for iOS 12 yet. So, I don't even know how fast the development is going because iOS 13 is on its way. Yes. Right now. Yes, it is. So yeah, it's I'm I'm not sure. It's I started looking into it and it's just from what I'm used to, like I don't want to fight this hard to put an emulator mm -hmm. on my phone. No, I understand. And if you're gonna fight that hard to get a emulator on your phone, you might want to go Android. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um yeah. You wanna try and grab a couple more here and then we can sure. sign off. Sure. I'll let you go ahead and grab a couple. Let's see. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling the tiredness. Exit said, aren't we getting a new Windows package manager whenever we get the new terminal? I did not hear that. Um, I could be wrong. Again, I don't keep up with Windows stuff as People much. People are but hyped for the new terminal. If Windows, <laughs> yes, the, the new terminal looks decent. It's going to be like Win, Windows subsystem for Linux version 2 looks pretty decent. I think Windows could have a much better development platform. Um, in fact, Windows uh, WSL2 solved some issues that I had with the original, which there's a lot of performance things, a lot of like uh, features didn't work. So like, I think there's potential there. I remember, we even talked about this where I went on Windows for a while and tried to do Windows development exclusively for like, yeah, over, yeah. I made a video about it even. You did, you did. I did that like probably about, about a year ago now and it just, it didn't, it, it, my development is slower. It felt frustrated. I felt like I was not getting things done as quick. I don't know. It just, it wasn't my thing. But I, I, you know, Microsoft's been doing good stuff. I think they have potential. And, you know, while I've not been the biggest fan of them in the past, honestly, the best thing I'm looking for is, like, the smoothest development flow for me. And Windows is great because it supports a lot of hardware. Yeah. So I'm not opposed to it if it turns out to be that way. Cool. Real cool. Um... Mr. Mario, are you done with OG Xbox videos, or is that it for a while? From XBMC mods for Xbox. Uh, so I do have uh, some videos that I've recorded and such. I I still need to edit them and everything. Uh, they'll come out eventually. That's about what I can say on that. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Wait, wait and see. Yeah, I I was gonna say as well too. Um, because you were talking about, you know, a video you made. <clears throat> now, remember remember last... I wanted to ask you about this. R remember last uh, last episode, I'd kind of hinted and I said... Because you were saying you hadn't made any videos this yeah. year. And I was like, well, Devin, yeah. you made a video, actually. Right. Devin was featured in my 100,000 subscriber special video. Yeah. And I, I just... I wanted because I haven't talked to you about that. What, what were your thoughts on what I had to put you through? Well, I to knew, make your video for this. <laughs> I knew immediately when you asked me to react to a video of something. I knew it was going to be gross. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I didn't know exactly what to expect. I didn't know what this was going to be like. And you even like had like weird little hints in your tweets and stuff like that. I, I did. I did. So, yeah. Like, I just, didn't see this coming though. I, I, I just want to show this here because this is, I, and I said, a reminder to myself, Devin, you, I don't know if you noticed, you changed colors during the video. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Notice. Yeah. No, during the video, like here, like look at how Devin looks right now. I look pretty red. The lighting isn't yeah, great. No, but that was just like, even like, look like, right. Where is it? Uh, here. You're not red. Yeah. <laughs> You're like slightly red. Like a couple minutes in, I turned you into a lobster with this. Yeah. I thought that was incredible because you, you were the <laughs> only person who ended up changing colors. That's funny. That, that was, just, that that was, was just, impressive to me. That was just the sun setting. <laughs> Well, no, oh, you, you you became not red near the end. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I I'm sure I actually did, but I I cracked up. And it's funny because my, of course, I was like I was talking to my girlfriend because she was there helped me get the camera set up so I was framed well. Mm-hmm. Uh, props to Jasmine, it's awesome. But uh, yeah, it, it like she could hear me from the other room. Obviously, like she wasn't there watching with me, mm-hmm. but she was just kind of like hearing me react to this whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. If people haven't seen that video, I'd recommend checking it out. That was I, I told people that was my magnum opus, and I was even joking like, "Yeah, once this video goes up, I'm done. Like, I, I don't need to. No, nothing else is going to surpass this." That was the biggest collaboration I'd done as well, too. So I got I, I was very happy with with the end result. Definitely, I think you're well deserved. Congrats. Well, thank you. Belated, I, but you know, uh, it's all good. It happens. It happens. Devin is Larry the Lobster confirmed. Pretty much. I do love me some SpongeBob. <laughs> All right, should we wrap it up there? I think the questions have slowed down and I'm tired, dude. I understand. It's been a long day, long podcast. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Um nah, I think that's about it for that. So, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We're tired. We're tired here. So, anyways, Devin, where can where can people find you online? Uh, Twitter, Paranoid Coder. Um, follow my YouTube channel. I'm not been doing videos like we talked about, but you know, it's there. Come chat with me if you want. Cool. That's pretty much it these days. Right on. Yeah, and then of course, uh, Mr. Mario 2011. You can find me on YouTube, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I have a Discord server as well too. Uh, in the video description of pretty much any video that I make. Uh, you can find it there, including on Mod Chat if you're checking it out on YouTube. If you want to listen to this and you're watching it right now, uh, Mod Chat is available just under Mod Chat on most major podcasting platforms. Vice versa, if you're listening to this and you want the visual component, uh, you can check this out on the channel, Mr. Mario 2011. Uh, after it's live, the video goes up afterwards. So um, we do need to pick a. We need to pick Devin a word for people to use if mm. you have made it to the end of the cha- uh, of the video here in video form if you've made it to the end i, I have an idea for a uh, a word that we can use a keyword that people can use in their comment to know that they've made it to what so we know that they've made it you have an idea already yeah what is it yeah we didn't get to mention this but the 999 dollar stand apple stand mm. people were asking about that like people yeah. mentioned a few times so yeah. I guess your thoughts on that real quick, because the word is going to be stand. If you use the word stand, I'll know you made it to the end. So my thoughts, I mean, I think that was a very poor execution. I think what (laughs) they should have said is it's a, uh, what what was it? I forgot how expensive the monitor was. Is it 
four thousand or five thousand? It was expensive. That's all yeah. I remember. It, it was so money. I, I think it was, they, they should have been like it's a. It's let's say it's a four thousand altogether. They should have said it's a four thousand dollar monitor, and you can reduce the price you, by a thousand dollars if you bring your own stand. Because a lot of these people that are working Jesus with these Christ. kind of stands. Well, think about it. This is a 6K monitor with some of the highest specs on a monitor that we've ever seen come to market. Sure. In all reality, it's actually it's, it's a nice-ass monitor. It's a very saying. nice monitor. And people don't need stands because a lot of times they have, like, wall mounts or Vega mounts and stuff like that. Then you can bring those if you want. You don't need the stand. But, yeah, I think they should have said that it was, like, the whole price and you can get it for cheaper or maybe even announce that, like, later, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of been, like – because it just looked very, like – Apple had it coming to them with the way they announced it. They're like, this yeah. much for the monitor and $1,000 more for the stand. You know, it's, and it's like, like, oh, no, 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 no. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's in the market for like anybody listening to this podcast, likely, unless you're like a major creative professional, which is what the Mac Pro is for as well. It's a freaking beast of a computer. But yeah, it's just not, it's not for me. It's not for me either. But then again, I'm also not a iOS or Mac OS user, so. Yeah, um, but I mean that's modern. It'll, it'll work on anything. Yeah, that is true. But I'm also I'm I'm not trying to get a th- uh, uh, monitors for thousands and thousands of dollars. Sure. So I'm outside of that. Yeah, yeah. my monitors. I think the last time one that I bought were like 120 bucks <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, I think the most I've ever spent on a monitor was 200 bucks. Yeah, so reasonable. Cool, reasonable. Yeah. Anyways, we're gonna get out of here. Remember, uh, keyword stand. If you're watching this, you know, the, the video after it's all done, or if you're listening, come to the uh, channel, check out the video, and use the word stand in your combo. We'll know you made it to near the end of this two-and-a-half-hour podcast. My goodness. It's a long one, but it's a good one. It is, yeah. I'm tired. Sleepy chat now, as executioners said. Sleepy chat. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for watching and listening, everyone, and until next time. Take it easy.